Alright guys, welcome to the show. Happy, happy Monday. Today we are going to have a very interesting day as we are going to be reacting to Jubilee's newest middle ground, which is trans conservatives versus trans liberals. Did we ever think we would be here in this modern day and age? I didn't. But indeed we are. So that's what we're going to be reacting to today. As always, we have Taylor in Nashville. Hey, a lot of you guys are excited about this one. I'm seeing the chat going wild already, so it should be interesting. Yes, I hear that this does in fact get messy. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I recognize a couple of the faces on this episode, one being Blair White, the other being Blossom, who Blossom's been on this show before, and we had Blossom on this show to debate slash go back and forth with transsexual Buck Angel, and I urge you guys to check out that episode if you haven't seen it already. It was a mess, uh, and we all know why it was a mess. I don't need to get into it. I'm sure we're going to talk about that during this Jubilee episode, and of course, I said I know Blair, who's going to be representing for the trans conservatives. I had already seen Blair's video that she put on YouTube about this whole experience and how it got really messy and everybody was attacking each other. So I already know what to look out for here and I sort of can anticipate how this conversation is going to go. I've also seen some of this episode over the weekend, so it, it's, I don't know that we're going to get any like substantive discussion in here, but we are at the very least going to try, guys. So are we ready? I think we're ready. Let's just go ahead and start with the episode. I thought this was a trans debate. That's oh, what I thought. Non-binary people, non -binary people fall under the trans, trans umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe you could educate yourself a little bit I on think, that. I think I could educate you. Maybe then you would figure you. out, educate you know, you. what right. reality is. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It is a safety concern for trans women to share a female restroom. Duh. I'm walking forward on this one. I agree. Also, guys, if I sound weird, it's because your girl is nursing a cold. I am hopped up on uh, Dayquil and good vibes right now. So the show must go on. <laughs> Especially. I've been fighting sneezes all day. I'm like, just sneeze. Let it out. You'll be fine. Dude. But she's she's very uh, anti-sneeze for some reason. And here's why. I'm a serial sneezer, right? I sneeze once. It, there's 20 more coming, right? You know, uh, if you call now, there's more. That's how it works when I sneeze. So I will be fighting it uh, to the death on this show today. Anyways, the, the prompt was it's a safety concern for trans women to be able to be in female bathrooms. I'm going to walk forward and say yes. And you know, you all know my stance on this. It's not necessarily because of trans women themselves, although some of them may or may not pose a danger to, you know, us as women and as females. But it's uh, men who decide to use these rules and, you know, new ways of going about life for their own predatory behavior. And they say, well, I'm trans and we've seen this happen. We've seen it happen in prisons and spas, in locker rooms. 
We've been there, guys. We don't need to go there again. Unless y'all want me to, put it in the chat if y'all need me to go there again and run it back, because I will. Uh, so I'm walking forward and agreeing on this one. Taylor, I think you're in the same camp. <laughs> yeah, especially with how they phrase it as it is a safety concern. Like, of course it's a safety concern because you've created this loophole for bad actors to identify as whatever they want to identify as to gain access to spaces that are now no longer safe just because of this ideology. So yes, it is a safety concern for sure. Hondo percent. And for the record, guys, there's a lot of different people of a lot of different identities in this show. I'm going to be referring to everybody as whatever the identity is that they're chosen. Blair is going to be a she. The other ones who are flip-flopping, I'm just going to refer to them as that. If I try to go back to bio this, bio that, it's going to get confusing. So don't come for me. We're going to refer to them as what they're calling themselves. Okay. Can the agreeers please step forward? Before we begin this episode, we know there's been episodes and we're understanding. It depends. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think I think that to start it off though too is it's not necessarily saying that trans women. It all comes down to self ID. When we moved into a self ID process, there are a lot of people. There are a lot of men just simply self-IDing into being trans women to utilize the female restroom and to harm women. Or just amazing. be there. They're, they're getting arousal from just being there. You know, there was a photo or it was a video that went viral, I think like just two weeks ago, with some like whole man with a boner in the women's restroom. And there's just some poor woman filming it. Like, am I just supposed to like accept that this is here? So I think there's levels to it. I think that Trans women who are actually trans, you know, we're talking gender dysphoria, transitions, making the effort, you know, probably once you reach a certain point in your transition where you can actually assimilate within that space and not cause a disruptance, that would probably be the ideal time to start doing that, right? Whereas, you know, a cross-dresser who is emboldened to, in this current climate, say that they're trans because now anything is trans if you say so, uh, that person should probably stay absolutely out of women's restrooms because you're there to get your rocks off and the women are there to take a, a, a poop and a pee. So it's not the same. Um, and I, you know, I really empathize with women who you know, have an issue with it and, and I can probably hear some women commenting, well, how do I know the difference between a fetishist and a real trans person? It's hard, it's hard. However, that's the only nuance that I know to give to it, which is there's different reasons people are trans and some people really are trans because they're horny and some people are trans because they really felt that way from you know a young age or whatever it is so refreshing to hear somebody say that out loud it is so refreshing to just hear somebody come at you straight and say you know what some people are trans because of this and some people are trans because of that and that is just the way it is i don't like when we try to have these discussions and people are like skirting the issues for the sake of like emotions and sensitivity and that's something that I can immediately appreciate about Blair. Blair just comes in and says it like it is. And it does give you something to think about, right? If I saw a trans person who looks like Blair, and would I expect Blair to go to the men's bathroom? Would I expect Blair to go to the women's bathroom? It is something that starts to sort of boggle the mind once you reach a certain point in your transition. Now, what Blair just said would be counted as like trans medicalist for, for leftists. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it's like yet another, somewhat of a slur that they created for people to throw at them and say, you're not really, you know, you're not really pro-trans if you think that people need to transition to a certain point in order to use the bathroom of their choice. You're not really pro-trans if you're only going to, you know, accept people into a space once they've medicalized to a certain point. And 
what Blair's saying is just factually true, right? I imagine if Blair went to a bathroom, you know, in any sort of a public space, you know, outside of being recognized for her YouTube channel, nobody would be the wiser about who, you know, whether or not this is a man going into the bathroom or a woman going to the bathroom. They would just go, oh, well, yeah, that's a woman going into the bathroom. Now, could predators use that tactic as well? Of course, uh, but it is a little bit more of an investment on their part to actually make themselves look like a woman, a woman go through the medical process. Now, it, it's tough when you take that into account, that just visually what you can see can change your entire stance on an issue, which is why I like flip-flop back and forth on it. I don't think that women's safety should be, you know, cast aside for the sake of somebody else's comfort, right? So at the forefront of my concern is always going to be women who are going to be victimized in spaces that are meant to be for them. And personally, if that means that we just make a rule that, hey, you gotta go to the bathroom of your, your biological sex, that's what you gotta do. But how is Blair going to be treated going to the bathroom of her biological sex, going into a men's bathroom? How is that gonna go down? Probably not well, right? I can't anticipate men, at the very least, they're going to be confused as fuck. Like, what are you doing in the bathroom right now with us? And, you know, at most, it's going to be a dangerous scenario for that person. So it is really hard to figure out once you get into the actual nuance of the discussion and, you know, are looking at a case-by-case -case basis as to which bathroom each individual should go into. But at the forefront of my brain is always women's safety. And if that means the rule is the rule, you go to the bathroom of your biological sex, or we have those single stall, like unisex bathrooms, you go in, you lock the door, you do your business, you get out. And it's just crazy that, you know, so many different identities have, you know, sparked up to where we even have to have this discussion, but we are here. So I digress. <laughs> See, I agree to an extent. Like when you go to transition, every, every, and this is a fairly universal experience, you know, once you get to a certain point of passing, that's about the time that you would start going into the other bathroom as opposed to not make the same sex uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Once you reach that point in your transition, a lot of things change, but you know, you start to, you start to see things from another perspective. You start to see things from the perspective of a cis person. Yeah. And I actually offer some solutions to this because I believe the free yeah. market can handle all of this stuff because in government-run and government-funded buildings, there should always be a third space for us to use. And I do, when I go to the Capitol and stuff like that, I always use third spaces. But I think that private property owners can make the rules for their establishment and figure out how to enforce those rules. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't not, say third allowed, spaces though. for trans exactly. people. Like we're in a state in right general. now. We're in a state right now where you have to allow anybody to use whatever restroom they want. If you're a decent human being, you do what causes the least disturbance. So for example, I filmed a YouTube video uh, a few years ago where I entered a men's restroom just because I was responding to comments who were like, well, maybe you should use a men's restroom if you really feel like the way you feel. And so I said, okay, let's do it. Let's put a camera. And I was kicked out within seconds of the entire establishment and it was a whole ruckus. So that's what I mean by if you're a decent person, you do what causes the least amount of problems for people around you. And if you're, you know, a moral person, you're going to be conflict avoidant in general when it's something like that, right? It's like, yeah. what's the point of causing issues for anyone, especially if you're really just trying to pee? I think just put get your it head done. down, go in, get out. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, valid, you know, 
makes sense for the most part. It's just a really tough line to walk when you start to figure it out. And again, you know, case by case, things are, are going to change. I don't want to get into like the appearance of each of the individuals who are sitting here, which we can all see. But I can imagine and you guys can make your own judgment on that who you would feel uh, most comfortable seeing in the bathroom with you and who might spark a little bit of uncomfortability, even though it seems as though all four of these people are perfectly nice individuals and you wouldn't have any problem, uh, you know, if you were to run up on them in a bathroom or whatever. It doesn't like, it's not like some conflict is going to happen. But I could see where at different points in a transition, the comfortability of, of women would change when it comes to how would you feel seeing this person in the bathroom? And that's just a fact. It's just a fact of life, guys. And there's going to be people like Blair who can transition and become what we call passable. And they have an, an easier time being accepted in their their new circle. That's just how it goes. Uh, but I think we'll we'll get into more discussions about this for the disagrees. I don't want to get ahead of myself and get into points that are going to be, uh, you know, discussed and laid out here because I'm sure these disagreeers are going to have a lot to say. And the disagreeers, please step forward. I want to comment on go. Blair's point. The one oh thing I kept gosh. hearing through all of the nuance is passability. Because ultimately, ultimately, when we talk about passability, it determines how you get harassed in the bathroom. Because honestly, if you don't look so passable or whatnot, people are going to say, oh, that's a man with a dress on, and then there's going to be discourse. But the reality of it is, honestly, who cares who's trans and who's cis going in the bathroom? You should be minding your own business, being able to pee and do your business in peace, for the most part. That, com that um, conversation around this man with a boner on or whatever like that, I saw that picture and I thought to myself, that's really a right-wing talking point and conservative <sighs> propaganda because that's their ideology. How is it? Gosh, you know... Blossom had me for just one second in this video. I thought, you know what? Maybe in like the appearances that Blossom has had on Jubilee, my show or whatever, maybe there's been some, you know, constructive change and there there really has been a shift because when when Blossom started speaking about what I'm hearing, you know, underlying in your conversation is passability and how that affects the way that you you move through the world. Yes, it's 100% true. Uh, you guys can look up trans people that are, you know, totally passing, would probably confuse a man if a man had met them in person. And you wouldn't be wise enough to be able to distinguish them. So, of course, they could go in your bathroom and get out. And that's the point that Blossom was making. But then, boom, you say that a man who comes in, you know, fully erect into a bathroom, that's propaganda when it's quite literally, you know, there as evidence for you to see with your own eyes, and it's an incident that is not just occurring there, it's occurring all over the place, you lose me. You lost me. You had the chance, and then you dropped it, unfortunately. When it, it comes to trans, happened. I'm speaking. That's their ideology when it comes to trans. It's because trans, I'm sorry, conservatives have a basic level understanding of what transness is in the first place. And with all due respect, I do not think any of you are basic, but they use you as the baseline to amplifying this propaganda. How is it propaganda if it's a thing that really happened and was caught on video? Like it was an actual occurrence, it okay. wasn't staged, it, it happened. And that's not the only, it's not an isolated incident. But that's not mm. enough for me to say because actors can do that. Who knows, they could have been an actor trying to make a point against trans people. But this has always been our battle. It's just like, from what I just heard you were saying with your talking points, because I did understand what you were saying. 
I just got the word passability out of there, and which and I didn't say a, that word at all. No, no, I, no I'm no, saying he that said passability. I'm saying she didn't say it. He I'm, did. And the I'll problem, the left. Okay, I didn't. I can't. The problem here. Okay, we're going all over the place. Ah. Anyways, oh, to to Blossom's point, it could have been an actor. Let's say, let's say a conservative guy was like, oh, "I'm going to go in the bathroom with a fully erect and get a photo of myself, and I'm going to plan this whole thing so that it goes." on the internet and goes crazy and you know people start rallying against trans rights or whatever even if that were the case it would still be a point for the conservative argument or you know the sensible argument that you cannot open up spaces like this because predatory men will take advantage of the opportunity it still doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it was an actor uh you know uh, a man a sex offender a trans person doesn't matter the whole argument is that when you you allow it to be a free-for-all, people take advantage of the free-for-all. And that is what that photo is evidence of. I, I see, Taylor, you're... <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that video we reacted to, I think just last week, uh, same energy of the... There was a bunch of males who identified as non-binary or whatever so that they could gain access to that job fair in San Francisco mm -hmm. that was meant to be exclusively for women. It's just this the fatal flaw of this ideology is that you don't have the ability to distinguish between who's genuinely trans and who is uh, posing as it or identifying as it to take advantage of the ability to gain access to different spaces. And I just, I do think it's interesting too how with how insistent we are about uh, the the trans being a category that is protected and that is uh, affirmed and acknowledged and enshrined in, in everywhere in society, there's also an insist a refusal to really define what transgender really means. I mean, I presume that their definition of what makes someone trans is the same as their definition as what makes one a woman, which is anyone who identifies as trans, anyone who identifies as a woman. So that logic inherently, that definition inherently leaves it open to yep. these bad faith people who are going to take advantage of things. And that is a an issue that arises because you have, you're dealing with an ideology that is incongruent with reality and you're mm -hmm. trying to impose that and on, on, on something that's been in place forever and that all of society has been built on. So anyway, they, they've opened up a can with this stuff for sure. Yeah, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I mean, like there, it's it's very hard to get a get a solution on this. And it's almost like, okay, we're gonna, you know, spend a bunch of time going over this back and forth and you're not gonna get an answer because you can't agree, you know, fundamentally on how you view, uh, you know, transness. You can't agree on how you view integrating into the world, assimilating. So we're going to continue to watch this prompt for at least a little while. We might skip to the next one because they they hark on this for, it seems, 17 minutes. So <laughs> there's more. I'm getting PTSD from uh, when we had Blossom uh, on the debate uh, with Buck Angel, which I actually posted that link in the chat for you guys if you missed it, by the way. But yeah, uh, yeah this is I'm getting flashbacks for sure of a lot of the circular arguments and uh, just the craziness. So like, here we go. They need a better moderator. Like we got to rein this in a little bit. <laughs> The, I just couldn't hear it back there. The liberals, no, what I was saying the was, liberals always use the... Yeah. No, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying you said that word. What I was getting out of what you were saying, the one word that was coming to me was passability. This is Blossom saying yes. it. And so passability is... Po passability politics is really a thing in our trans community, especially when we come to the debate of restrooms. Well, you yeah. can say it's politics, but actually it's just real life, right? It's just about Correct. where I you're agree. able to assimilate to and where you're not. And I think one of the biggest problems in the trans community is 
the community by and large has seemed to reject assimilation and seems hell-bent on... That's not true. I think it's absolutely true, which is you see people talking about how you don't need to work on your transition at all to enter women's restrooms, and I think that that is so selfish. That drives so me crazy. It's so disregarding of women who may or may not feel uncomfortable. But the trans woman experience is not monolithic, so who are we I to police transness? Why are we policing other people's trans and how they show up? We have to, to protect why we, women. Why are y'all policing, though? That's what I don't understand. Well, using I, words that no we're policing. not using. It's not policing. We're listening to policing. women. And if you have 50%, we won't say 50%, but if you have a large chunk of the population of women saying that they are uncomfortable yes. with a certain thing, a good person leans in and listens. So why they don't are you just not listening to it. other trans women, Blair? I, I think do that's, all day. I am okay, right so, now. But you didn't, but you didn't, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be combative or whatever like that. I'm just trying to figure out, you know what I'm saying, what the middle ground would be between you and I, because you, you said one side and that's great, but what about the side of trans women? If we're not bringing both sides into this conversation, Here's what I would say then that. it is unbalanced. Here okay, Whew, gosh. So uh, the issue is, right, okay, there, there is, there's gonna be a hierarchy here, right? If you are a biological man who is attempting to identify yourself as female and enter female spaces, who are the gatekeepers of those spaces? Biological women. So biological women, I, I would believe, and I would assume and hope, would have the first say as to how you get into that space. And, you know, the fact that biological women are even entertaining how you are able to enter their spaces is a big win on behalf of trans people, if that's the way that we want to, to view it. Because the fact that we're even open to the conversation of how can a biological man uh, be entering a woman's space, a space for our privacy, a space for our safety, and a space for our own separate rights, you know, which have been dictated and fought for, that that already astounds me, but now that's not good enough. So trans people must be the ones to dictate how exactly they enter women's spaces. And now it's just self-identification. You can just say, I'm a, a trans person. Taylor, which I'll, get a good look at Taylor, <laughs> can say, can say, I'm a woman. I want to go into your bathroom now. And that's, that's as low as the threshold is for, for entry into womanhood now. That is the issue. Right. OK, so you must go to women first and at least get some sort of consensus on how they feel before you start to enter their spaces. And that's why the the trans experience or the trans opinion on this takes a backseat to women's safety and women's concerns. It's as simple as that. Here's what I would say then, because I do understand both sides. I didn't, you know, I'm almost a decade in my transition, which means I was one time a year in, six months in, two months in. So I understand that, but I also knew at the very beginning of my transition that if I'm not at a place physically where I'm not making people feel uncomfortable, or I'm making people uncomfortable, then right. that's on me. That's Correct. my responsibility to make sure that I'm going places a certain way to make sure that they're comfortable. Because it's for your it was safety my also, too, right? Well, but you also you can, say that you're safe, well, your safety I know that plays a part. You seem to be looking at through the lens of always trans being the priority. I'm looking at it through the lens of women being the priority here. Um, there's plenty why, of situations. Why, why? I just want to know Because why it's them who would that. fall victim to not actual trans women, as I said, but people posing as trans women, people who are actually women are also victims of that as well. I'm sorry. I would love it if the two of you have said your piece 
Yeah, 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 I just want to make this point. I just want to make this point as well. But trans women also experience violence and also need that protection. And so that's the thing. Like, it should be an even playing field. I'm not saying you're wrong, but what I'm saying is I would like to challenge you to expand to make sure you're being inclusive of both sides or whatever, because we got to have, we have to have these important conversations between cis women and trans women. I mean, I'm just going to say, and I'm not going to just say cis women, I'm going to say women, biological women. I want to make it inclusive of everyone. I think the middle ground, though, is, and I feel like I'm not coming at this from an extreme place. I feel like an extreme place would be like no trans women in the bathroom ever. That's the extreme position. I'm saying work on your transition, take it as your responsibility, and be respectful. And that's the middle ground, right? This, this is a this is a, this is a self. To play devil's advocate here, here is a, a pitfall with this: is that transitioning doesn't, at least to me, from what I'm looking at, does not seem safe. Uh, you know, for for the body. So if the answer is you have to work on your transition and try to pass more uh, and do so in ways that are are clinical or non-clinical, I can imagine that's a pretty tough ask for people. But again, like these are identities that are, you know, like sparking up, they're creating this big surge. Does a big surge of like this new, it's very trendy and social, like this new trendy social contagion that's happening right now, not to negate the experience of actual people dealing with gender dysphoria, but does that usurp the rights of women and the voices of women? In my opinion, no. And we can talk circles around the issue of bathrooms and who deserves to go where all day. Uh, but in my opinion, nothing is going to come above how women feel in their own spaces. And if women are feeling uncomfortable, we have all this evidence of women being victimized in their spaces, albeit maybe not from trans people. That's it. It's curtains. It's lights. The show's, the show's done. <laughs> and, and there's your answer. I think we'll skip this prompt because this video is an hour and 25 minutes long. So we got to get over to you know, some other conversations and some other discussions. This one is, should we do the trans military ban? Mm -hmm. We might skip over that one too, just because there's a, a lot in there. I wanna get to the more, you know, focused discussions that we are actively having on this show. Let's do, is it okay for minors to have top surgery? We can always go back and uh, check out other prompts if we feel the need. Huh. <laughs> really? Okay. It's okay for minors to get top surgery. Obviously, I'm not walking forward on this one. It is not okay for minors to get top surgery, and I'll let them duke it out. We'll give commentary over their own discussions. Okay. You guys waited on that? That's pretty vile. I feel like um, the vibe is like, I, I like as someone who had top surgery and went on hormones, like it's a very emotionally intense experience. I think in terms of like minors getting surgery, like the reason why I'm not like, no to that is because I feel like maybe someone's like 17 or something. I honestly feel like it is a really intense surgery, but I feel like if somebody's like 17 or like late 16 and like feels like it's right for them, I mean like people are really different. I know for me like top surgery when I was like 16 would have been like so good and it would have literally like saved my spinal cord from like binding all the time. That's why I'm like, yeah, like I feel like in instances like it can make sense. So I'm not a trans man, <laughs> so I don't have the experience or whatnot, but I do think that it has to be done safely. There is a process when it comes to having these types of gender-affirming surgeries. You know what I'm saying? Talking with your parents and then going to uh, endocrinologists and going through therapy to make sure this is right for you. People have a choice to their autonomy. Now, I know that everybody does not, yeah. but those that do or whatnot should choose with the right medical 
education. Yeah. They should choose with um, safety and with full understanding of what is um, a benefit. How can a minor get full understanding of the repercussions of chopping their breasts off? How? At, at 16, just think about who you were at 16. Maybe you're 16 right now watching. Maybe you're younger than that, okay? Think about your understanding of human anatomy, the repercussions of quite literally lopping off a part of your body, what that means for you down the line, what that means for the, the potential of having children, nursing those children if that's a, de a decision that you want to make down the line. None of these conversations should be had surrounding minors and allowing them to make a decision like this. I mean, it's clear cut and dry. What I can say is uh, out of the trans liberals, it seems that Sasha is the most reasonable and is just speaking from an experience, I believe, of transitioning young, a, a little outside of, of being 16, I think 17 or 18. And I can understand looking back at yourself, having made the decision at around 17 or 18 to go through with surgery and medicalization, and then going, you know what, I wish I had done it at 16, or I wish I had done it at, at 15. You, you have, is it confirmation bias? Is that the word for that? Maybe, maybe that's what it is. And you, you would always say, oh, well, yeah, I wish I had access to this younger, because look at where you're at now. You chose the decision, you made the decision, you're at the other end of it, and you are now identifying as a man in, in our society. So, of course, there is a part of you that's going to want to advocate for people getting that at a younger age. But as soon as you just start to think about how little young people uh, understand of themselves in the world, and this is not to belittle young people. I'm a young person myself. I don't fully understand myself. I don't fully understand the world. I don't think that I now am capable of making a decision about whether or not I should change my body. I have tattoos on my body. Some of them, believe it or not, I got as a minor, one at 16 years old. Would I ever advocate now that a 16-year-old be able to place a, a permanent image on their body? Absolutely not. Do I regret having done that? Absolutely, yes, I do. So think about that with the repercussions of not being able to nurse children. Think about that with the repercussions of not being able to have children. Think about that with the repercussions of being a lifelong medical patient. Of course, I have the utmost like sympathy and compassion for people who are struggling with gender dysphoria because I cannot imagine what it is like to wake up every day and look in the mirror and think, I am not the person that I'm supposed to be. This is the wrong body. I hate myself. I don't love who I am as a person. That's gotta be difficult. and. If you are willing to go through the lengths of like chopping off parts of your body in order to feel better about yourself, there is something deeply wrong. And I know for some reason we're not allowed to say that and we're not allowed to acknowledge that. And, and that doesn't, you know, cast aside trans people or, you know, paint them in a negative light to say that something wrong is going on there. This is not how human beings are supposed to feel. It would be the same way that we would view somebody who's struggling through depression and anxiety. We would say something is wrong. You are not supposed to wake up and feel that way every day about yourself. And I feel for you, but, you know, cutting yourself is not the solution when you're dealing with depression. Not eating is not the solution when you are dealing with something like anorexia. Throwing up is not the solution when you're dealing with bulimia. Why is it that with gender dysphoria, we go, let's, uh, let's alter your body to fit the image that you've cast in your brain of what it should be? By no means should that be the first place that we go. And I think we're going to find that a lot of these trans people were medicalized almost immediately as soon as they mentioned their discomfort. And that's where we're headed as a society. And it is not 
okay. It is okay to totally like love, accept, and have compassion for trans people while also saying something is wrong. Something is wrong here because you are not supposed to feel this way. And when you talk to trans people, they will often tell you how hard their life is. Is life supposed to be that hard? Are you mentally supposed to be carrying a load like that? If the answer is no, then the answer is also that there is some sort of disorder at play or something is not normal. I don't want to like harp on that too much, but just really think about maybe the stigma that we've placed on mental health where we are no longer allowed to say that this is a mental health issue. So maybe there is a deeper societal problem that is creating, uh, you know, this massive surge in trans identification and all of this different gender bending stuff that's happening right now. But we just got to admit that that's what's happening. If we can't admit that that's what's happening, we're never going to get down to the bottom of this. And trans people are not going to get help. Our greater society is not going to be help. So let's continue. Sorry. Soapbox down. <laughs> what well, may not be a benefit. I agree with a caveat that there does need to be some sort of process, which there is, by the way, yeah. in place. Yes, absolutely. Um, sometimes there's a slip through. Yes, things happen because, again, as I said earlier, this is a big world. But to, again, negate people the ability to walk through a door that you have walked through, I'm going to say this again, and then close it behind you, is a little bit of a slap in the face for anybody who's seeking transition. Yeah. And as somebody who has experienced uh, top surgery and also waited quite a bit of time, a lot of severe damage actually was created to my rib cage that my wife, who is half my size, actually has the same size uh, rib cage in the back as mine. Um, and these are permanent damage to my body because I, bi I binded for about eight years and there's even still issues that I have with breathing and certain issues that I face that, um, you know, unfortunately, if I had that surgery a lot earlier, earlier, I would have a better posture. I'd have a lot of pain that is not within my body that I have to deal with on a daily basis. While uh, simultaneously, the idea that, you know, I get maybe under 16 top surgery would be something that would possibly even make me a little uncomfortable. But I also know that I was homeless at 16, paying my own rent and uh, left my home at 16 and had to live my life as an adult very early. So I was able to make those decisions for myself, but I think it's weird that others can't seem to see that I could make a medical decision for myself when I had. Uh, okay. I completely understand this argument, completely understand what's being said. When you're 16 and adult decisions are placed in front of you, you feel that you should be capable of making other decisions. I would like to challenge that framework of looking at things and view it with the idea that you should have never had to deal with those things as a 16-year-old. You should have never had that trauma placed on your plate. So instead of saying, you know, I dealt with all this trauma at 16, how do I add more trauma onto my plate and be able to make bigger decisions? You should look at the world and say, how do we as a society stop 16 year olds from dealing with trauma like this, from being out of school, from being homeless, from having to deal with issues like this instead of piling more on top of them? And think about the story that was just laid out there. This person was binding their chest so hard that they could not breathe, that their, you know, anatomy is changed forever. Do we look at that and go, ah, we should have let you cut up your body sooner because you are just going to, you know, mutilate it anyways, but in a much more strenuous way. 
In my opinion, no, that's not what we do. Of course, I think there's going to be extreme cases where you're dealing with somebody who has gender dysphoria and they are hurting themselves or taking hormones off of like the black market, as I believe Blossom accounts to doing uh, in, in her transition. And at that point, you know, I would prefer that a medical professional step in and say, if I can't stop you from doing this, let's help you do this in a safe way. And that would be for the most extreme of cases. But now you have kids going into a gender specialist and saying, uh, some days I wake up and I feel like I'm a girl. And they go, okay, now let's put you on hormones. Let's go ahead and get you scheduled for surgery. And all it took was a visit and we checked you out. And now I, as a medical professional, am going to make a lot of money off of your now lifelong patienthood status. Okay. So there is a like a fine line that we walk and there's of course nuance and there's of course extreme cases but i wouldn't look at somebody who's been binding their chest for you know three years and go how do we get you those results sooner i would go what is making you feel so uncomfortable with the body that you're born in and how do we move you to a position of being more comfortable where you don't feel the need to bind where you can walk through the world freely because these surgeries are not easy this, this transitional period is, is not easy. How do we skip that part for you? And yes, it's going to be hard and difficult, and it's going to be a process that may take years, but how do I get you to the most freeing point that you can be at as a human being, where that is just, you know, throwing your arms out and saying, this is the body that I was born with, and at times I do not like it, at times I contend with it, but I love myself. But we're, we're not trying to figure that out. We go, ah, well... You know, as a practitioner, that's too hard to figure out. It's too hard to get them to get over the idea that they're a different gender. Let's just skip, you know, do a little snip here, snap there. I make a lot of money on insurance and uh, we'll call it a day. You guys can can go about your business. And that's devastating. It's manipulation. It's malpractice. And I don't think we're going to look back on this time fondly whatsoever, as much as some people would like to convince you that this is the right thing to do. But I am very glad we're having this conversation through the lens of trans people talking about it because there's an element of not wanting to listen to people who haven't experienced it. And we all do that, right? We don't want to listen to people who haven't been there and done that. And to have eight people who have been there, done that, and are now going back and forth on it is a really powerful thing to, to see. I had to physically take care of myself. And I look at some of these younger kids and there's a sense of jealousy there and excitement for them at the same time because they now have access to memories and being in the space and being in a comfortable body that, you know, I had a lot of isolation growing up in my childhood because I didn't feel comfortable to present in a female space or a male space. I was isolated constantly from school, from the outside world, from my family. And my transition, my top surgery has done nothing but take physical pain off my body, especially with as large chested as I was, and having to bind for as many years as I did. Having to is a very strong phrasing. I don't think any minor should be having life-altering elective surgery or life-altering elective medicalization, uh, period. Um, and so I, I, when I work on bills across the country that, that do ban this for minors, there's a couple things I point out. Um, I point out that I don't think a 16-year-old female who wants breast implants should be able to get that either. When we look at yep. what we allow minors to do, like surgeries and stuff like that, they're not life-saving. They're not, if you don't get it, you're not going to die. It's not like getting, like having appendicitis and having to get your appendix removed or anything like that. 
it's elective. I think that's the key point here. Mm -hmm. Agreed. My thing about surgery, I'm actually vehemently against surgery, like all of it, top surgery, bottom surgery, all of it. Um, because, particularly because you need your genitals. Like, it's just that simple. Hello. You know, you, you have these people now who have non-functioning fake penises and vaginas that, you know, they, they, you've had issues like, for instance, Richie had, where like your urethra folds in half and then you can't pee no more. This is about- Oh, I, are you on top surgery, top surgery yeah. too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, just, or just surgery in general, I don't think that that's necessarily like, like you said, it's not like you have appendicitis, it's not like you've got like a bone spur, it's, you know, like, you don't, I disagree with not that because I was surgery. in physical pain, and, and the moment that I got that top surgery, the pain was was Well, that's not that's that that's need that means you needed a breast reduction, my friend. <laughs> no, it's just no, binding, no, dude. Binding, binding goes crazy. General, I mean, I binded it for issues. eight years. I know, like it sucks, I know, but, but like if you just keep binding, like honestly, like my ribs are like I'm like ew, I hate my ribs. Like they're all like messed up. Still elective. You chose to, you know make that decision and unfortunately we're not given you know the proper amount of help to do you know have a different option or to do things you know properly and that's the thing like the fact that i don't know i'm just like trying to imagine any any other scenario where we would feel okay with this as a, a society like if i woke up one day and decided i was gonna like foot bind like they did in ancient China and started doing that to myself because that's the way that I feel I should look, people would be like, girl, what is going on with you? This is this is not okay. There, there's something going on. You need to go see a specialist. You need to be talked out of this in some way, shape or form. But for some reason, we've allowed this to be a general part of our discussion where we're accepting that this is somehow a normal process to go through as a human being. And, and quite frankly, it is not normal. I think about, it, I'll think about other like internet icons that we see right now. A lot of you have heard of like Nikocado Avocado, the guy who's literally eating himself to death on, on YouTube, who clearly has some sort of mental affliction that is leading him down this path of morbid obesity. On the flip side of that, Eugenia Cooney, who is a young woman who has been struggling in front of the world with anorexia and bulimia for God knows how long, years, and has just amassed millions of followers parading around a body that is quite literally skeletal, skeletal. And we do not look at that and say, this is normal. This is how she views herself. Like she, she wants that body and she's willing to go through unhealthy means in order to get that body. We don't view that way. We, we know that these people are just like, you know, actively killing themselves and, and largely for our, our society's entertainment. Yet when it comes to gender and we see these things happening, we go, ah, oh, well, it's normal, you know, uh, we should talk about it. Maybe it is, maybe they were, you know, born in, in the wrong body and maybe this is something that we should entertain. And so long as we continue to entertain it, people's lives are gonna be, you know, placed in, in the worst outcomes right now. Look at all the young people who are struggling with their gender like never before. And it's not because this is a natural phenomenon. It's because our society is uplifting it and, you know, injecting the word normalcy in it enough times to where we actually start to believe that that is true. Like, is that an issue with tight. safety of binding though? I, I, I'm actually curious yeah, like, about this. Honestly, the, the thing of, is of too, like, to I think it comes with like the size of your chest. So like I had a big chest. So like I, I had, like I had, it was the only way, you know what I mean? Same. And I did try and like bind like safely and I did buy like reputable like binder brands, but it is a lot when you're doing it for a really long time. And I used to wear it for like, three days straight. 
I know, me too. Like, and, and, and that's what's like you're was, not supposed to. Was, but your, like, was your doctor telling you that that's not safe because you're not even supposed uh, to wear yeah, it for 24 course. hours? My doctor's old school. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, and I had, did have to go through like very, for top surgery and testosterone, like I had to go through like a really big process. And I think that's my thing is like instead of an age thing, I think there's like a pro, like there should be a process. You should have to like live as that gender and be seeking care and be having like a therapist for long term and a psychiatrist for long term and an endocrinologist for long term. And like it's really like specific to the person and I think would be like really rare anyway. But that's just my stance. That I agree with to an extent. Mm -hmm. This is definitely the prompt that I am the most passionate about because I think there are few things more vile, more irresponsible, more, you know, dangerous than saying a child can consent to permanently removing a body part that serves an extremely important function. Detransitioners all over the country can never breastfeed their children if they can even have them, because if they did other things, that can stop them from having kids at all, right? The idea that a child can consent to a sex change, to gender-affirming surgery, if you believe that, there's really nothing that you can believe they can't consent to, right? Because mm -hmm. that's pretty extreme. That's a permanent body modification under the best circumstances. So you wanna move aside all the complications, all the things you can't do, the sterilization, not being able to feed your kids. You can even set that aside. Just the permanent body modification. I mean, you have to be so demented to believe that a child oh. fully understands. I heard a few conversations about, well, if the child fully understands, <coughs> they don't. They don't because they're children. I'm That's 21. like how being a seventeen-year-old, like if a seventeen-year-old is like living as male for like. I agree with just about everything before we got to like the demented part of the conversation, which you guys know me. Uh, I don't, I don't vibe with language like that because I do feel like it is a conversation stopper. Like when I look at Sasha here. Uh, who is saying things that, I, yes, I do disagree with. I don't view them as like a demented individual. I could see through their, you know, their life path, how they got to the reasoning, although the reasoning is very wrong. Uh, I can see how they got there. But Blair is making some very, you know, important points and, and driving them in. And hopefully they're listening. I think what's happened is a lot of what Blair is going to say is going to be completely blocked by them because they already have characterized her as, you know, an alt-right conservative who doesn't care about trans people. And that's the unfortunate thing that you can just get blocked like that just by virtue of having, you know, the same set of opinions as what, 50% of the population? It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Ugh, goodness gracious. Oh, we did get a... Uh $300 super chat here from Whoa. Danny Tarones. Thank, Thank you, you, Danny. We read anything above $50 immediately. Uh, Danny says, happy Monday. I don't understand why people think this is okay. If they can't drink, if they can't get married or even get a tattoo, they need parental consent. Why do people think that it's okay to let kids make these life altering decisions by, by getting these surgeries and becoming lifelong patients? Yeah, dude, it's nuts. I mean, we've lost, we've lost child innocence. We've, we've completely lost it. And y'all know there's a slippery slope there. I don't need to identify it for you. And Blair has already, has already made the point uh, in, in this video. The kids should not be able to consent to this. We all know it. The same way they shouldn't be able to consent to boob jobs or rhinoplasties or all these different things. This is the same thing. It should be on the very same table and viewed the same way. But again, we've like 
altered ourselves and there's been just like so much discourse surrounding transness that we've allowed the lie to be told enough times that it's become true that kids are capable of making these these decisions and it's really sad uh what's even more sad is like parents who are manipulating their children into these identities and then using them as little like trophy kids of look how good of a parent i am for allowing my kid to transition and we're going to check back in with those kids in like, you know, 10, 15 years. And it's going to be a different story. I'm telling you right now, because your brain is not fully developed. If y'all met me when I was 16, you would be like, who is this girl? And the same thing for you. If you guys met yourselves at 16 right now, you'd be like, who, who is this man? Who is this woman? Because we change on a dime when we are young, especially when we're, we're underdeveloped we, we only have a certain set of experiences that, that could shape our worldview. Our world is not opened up yet. It doesn't matter, you know, how well-traveled you are, how many people you've met, how mature you are as a 16-year-old. Your world is not open yet. Uh, so to allow them to make decisions as if it is blows my mind. And again, it is not to invalidate the intelligence and the wisdom that you, some young people can have. It's not to invalidate that at all. They are our future. They should be listened to. They should be advocated for. But they do not get to come forward and say, I want to lop my breasts off. And then you go, oh, well, you know what? You know who you are. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I just... Real quick, Amla, as you're saying that, I'm reminded of, uh, we bring it up every time this discussion comes up, but the fact that there is actually no medical consensus um, uh, in, the, in the medical community that gender-affirming care is medically necessary or even effective and we've seen multiple nations overseas like england and finland and other sweden uh ban gender-affirming care for minors or at least relegate it to uh, clinical trials settings where it's it's in a research setting and not something that's being prescribed because there's no consensus that it's actually effective and on top of that we've referenced many times on the show the work of ken zucker who uh showed that many students i forget what or many students many minors uh who if not push down the path of gender affirming care, uh, go on to outgrow the desire to transition uh, if they're simply not pushed down that uh, that path. And it's just so unfortunate that we've seemed to place, uh, to your point a minute ago, the, the self-acceptance uh, on the other side of gender-affirming care for so many people culturally the, with this narrative that's being pushed. And so instead of saying you can accept yourself however you want to go about the world. If you don't conform to traditional st gender stereotypes, if you don't feel, if you feel an incongruence with your body, you can still accept yourself and we can work on that. But the place to start is not with puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and putting you on a path towards surgery. Yep. Let's talk it out and uh, let's stick around. You stick in, you stay in treatment until you're 18 and then at 18 we'll have another discussion, even though your, your prefrontal cortex is still not fully shaped at that point. Stick around. Let's continue to talk about it. Let's continue to see if you feel the same way about yourself in a few years' time, and then we can entertain the discussion. And that—that's really—that's the end of it. That's all she wrote. Like five. The prompt was about like, minors, and twelve-year-olds are getting minor. top surgery. So it's easy to say, well, if it's seventeen-year-olds, okay, well. In my state, that's actually. There's a nuanced age. conversation about even seventeen-year-olds, I guess, because the age of consent in some places is lower. But that's not what's happening, right? It's twelve-year-olds. When we talk about minors, it's like, what age range are we really talking about here? Anyone because the thing, because the thing is, when we talk about detransitioners or whatnot, all I hear is a lot of regret, right? Regret that they got these surgeries. Regret.
regret of the complications, regret, 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 and that's fine. I'm not taking away anybody's experience because these things do happen. But let's also remember, again, there is a process. Now, I have a lot of empathy for those detransitioners that have gone through the process and they are suffering. But I it's do not have just detrans people. It's but not I'm, just detrans people. That's where I'm, that's where I'm just talking about in the conversation, for this particular conversation. And I understand what you're saying because you're absolutely right. There are more people. Even among doing adults, that. we but, all do different things in well, our transition. Correct. Some of us want bottoms, some of us don't, some of us want tops, some of us don't. I understand, so you but, need a, a lot of time as an adult to figure out what you want to do. But see, the thing is, though, some adults don't even understand what they want to do. Exactly. So, that's the kind so of how the thing. can a child? But, but see, wanna, a children. That's, that, wait a minute. Let's not, let's, let's not underestimate the power of these kids today. Okay? They are very much more educated because they have much more resources and access than we did wow. coming up. So let's be so very clear. Advanced. You can throw a whole lot of information at an undeveloped mind. It is still an undeveloped mind. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. You could give a 13-year-old, you know, 17 books from Harvard Medical School about transitioning. That doesn't mean they're capable of making the decision as to whether or not they transition. Come on now. Yes. About that. And they can and consent. When we talk Who about else these transitioners, that? that has been the main topic here or whatnot. Because I want we want to bring these transitioners okay. in to the room um, so there's a space. Thank you. Um, to, to your point about the reason why I'm against it is because, like you said, the, the children need to go through the proper steps, the parents, the doctors, but in the state of California, if you, as a parent, tell your minor, no, you're not getting this, I'm not affirming your gender, mm. I'm taking your kids away, and California is going to raise your kids for you. So Canada, how's too. That? Canada too. That's not right. We also know that like all those safeguards that you're talking about, they're not happening. Yeah, that's They're what I'm saying. Happening. California will and, and take we, your and we kids. Know, we know because there was a whistleblower out of St. Louis, and this isn't some conservative whistleblower. She was married to a trans man, and she considers herself queer. So she blew the whistle and said that they had an in-house doctor. If, if, if you couldn't find a affirming um, therapist to sign off on the form, they would, they, would, they, would pencil, they would pencil whip it. But do you believe that it should happen? Do you believe there should be a process when it comes to medical transition. No, we have there's to no right process so, yeah. for kids to hack off oh, no, their breasts. I was asking her, honey. I'm sorry. No, I was no. Well, her. I answered because no. no, I'm here know. in the room, so. Okay. No. Okay. Thank you. I feel like, like, personally, like, if we're talking about, like, a 12-year-old <sighs> getting top surgery, like, to me, that's just, like, medical malpractice because I know for me, like, to get top surgery, like, I can only get it at 18 because my insurance covered it at 18, but I had to start that process, like, long before. Like, even hormones was a long process, so I think there's, like, an area of literal like medical malpractice because no like kid at that age should be getting that in my opinion because you do not know but I do think there are instances where like a 16 or 17 year old like could get it and I don't know if that means like banning like below 16 or like whatever but so in the UK um, it was the uh, I can't remember what it was it's the reason why they're shutting down the Tavistock clinic in the UK though is because they found that when you start a child on hormone or on puberty blockers then hormones it leads, to, it's basically a foregone conclusion that they're gonna end up having surgery. It puts them on a path mm -hmm. to, um, to sunk cost fallacy. I, I just, again, I don't understand this obsession with obsession. other people's, other people's children. It's about caring it about is, kids. I got, I'm talking, oh my God. It's obsession. Get it together. It's so weird that it's like, I don't get this obsession with other people's children, but you're concerned about other people's children transitioning, and you're here advocating for other people's children to be able to transition. So what if conservatives turned to you and said, well, I don't understand what your obsession is with other people's children. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're both here advocating on behalf of children in our separate camp, so it's not really an argument that you can make here. 
But I digress. Maybe people are concerned about other people's children because at a rate of like 70%, they're changing their minds and choosing not to transition. Maybe they're concerned about other people's children because a great rate, at a great rate, they are choosing to kill themselves uh, when they go down this path. Maybe they're worried about other people's children because they're becoming lifelong patients from, you know, the drop of a hat and just going into a doctor's office and saying, I don't feel good about myself. Maybe that's concern. Maybe other people's children affect the society that we all live in for we are all human beings living in like an interconnected web that is our community and if you have people that are you know struggling with their bodies and their gender and transitioning and suicidal ideation and all of these things this does come to affect your community it comes to affect your own kids in the conversations that they're having in schools when all of a sudden timmy identifies as sally or something like that there are a million ways and a million reasons why somebody on the left or the right well, would be concerned about, you know, the safety and the protection of other people's children. So this argument of just like, why do you even care is, is a mute point. Like, uh, of course, there's reasons why you would care about why this is happening. I have it together. <laughs> Yo, the, obs the obsession, the obsession with the conservatives about other people's kids. If it is your child, it is your choice what you do with your kid. Just to talk about someone who is at 16 and their level of consent in the state of California, from my understanding, someone who's 16 can also drop out of high school, which would severely affect their life. And they have access to that decision if they want to, because say they want to get into the job market or whatever their ex, you know, reason is, but they have that option to make that choice at 16. I will agree with you that someone at 12, I'd be uncomfortable with somebody at 12. A 16-year-old who chooses to drop back out of school can go back to school. <laughs> a 16-year-old who chooses and says, you know, I don't want to be in high school anymore can go get their GED when they're 18. They can go to college when they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. They have their entire life to change their mind and go, you know what? I missed out on some pivotal education. Maybe I need to go back. There's also an argument to be made that maybe they didn't need that, that high school education for the last two years. And maybe they're off at trade school or doing something or starting their own business. And their life is actually better off based off of the choice that they made. There's not a lot of evidence in the opposite direction for children who are choosing to transition, right? And it's not a decision that you can go and say, ah, you know what, now that I've cut my breasts off and I can't breastfeed my child, I'm gonna go get them put back on so that I can breastfeed my kids again. Now that I have, you know, created a, a fake private part on myself, I'm gonna go back and get my old one back because I regret that decision. That's not happening. So when they're aging and, and they're adults now and suddenly they cannot feel their chest or they don't have sensation in their privates or, you know, they can't have sex like a normal human being. They can't have kids. They're sterilized. They don't get to go, ah, it's just like that time that I dropped out of school. I think I'm going to go and get my GED. They don't get that choice. Years old getting uh, surgery um, completely because there's still a lot of the world for them to learn about themselves, uh, how to navigate it, etc., etc. But for us to have access to be able to drop out of high school if we wanted to and make such a life changing decision that could affect, I mean, you economically, uh, socially, so many different ways. But then to say, you know what, you're not old enough to make this decision, for me, again, as somebody who was 16 and was in such a religious family and all the restrictions that I had, if I didn't have access to those things, 
I don't know if I would be here. And I've learned a lot through my transition and through my access. And I even grew up in the wild, wild west where everything was still on YouTube and we didn't really even have medical providers really even giving us guidance and especially trans men. So. I don't know if we're going to get into this discussion, but I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to give the hot take and I'm going to say it. Uh, I have a feeling that if you had each of these individuals really like lay out their background and their upbringing as children, it would be, you know, like sexual abuse and trauma is probably going to be present in a lot of their background. Maybe like, uh, like dogmatic religion is probably going to be a part of, of their backgrounds. Bullying is probably going to be a part of a lot of their backgrounds. And I think you would find these key factors in the majority of stories of people who are dealing with gender dysphoria and who are advocating on behalf of trans individuals. And it's just it's just something to acknowledge. Right. And you can interpret that how you will. Uh, but there are just certain backgrounds where I believe this becomes a, just a higher risk uh, when it comes to identity and, and transness. Interpret that how you will. So I find it rather uncomfortable that we're able to make a 16-year-old be able to make that type of decision. An 18-year-old is allowed to go into uh, you know, service, but for some reason, we can't give that same access to a kid to have that consciousness. Because I can tell you at 16, I knew who I was. I'm not at 12, not at 14, but 16, there's a certain level of consciousness and experience that you've experienced in society that you understand the pocket you fit in. But just because other time. bad things happen right. doesn't mean that that is okay. It's like, so just because they can drop out of school means they should be able to cut their breasts off? I really feel bad for, for that individual. I th at least in my opinion, you can see a lot of trauma. And I think you'll notice this throughout the episode. Uh, when he's talking, he does not make eye contact with anybody who he's talking to as he's telling the story. Uh, to me, that like kind of signals a disconnect in, in social communication or at least just like the harboring of, of some sort of trauma. Speaks about, you know, dropping out of school, you know, being homeless at 16, having to make all of these really big decisions at a very young age. And I, I, I will go back to the trauma point that I made earlier and kind of flush it out a little bit more. When you experience trauma, at least in my opinion, uh, and, and particularly at a young age, you start to view the innocence surrounding that age very differently. And I'll give an example. If at 16 I got into, you know, a very traumatic incident that led me to making a lot of really big adult decisions, as an adult, I can sort of harbor that trauma and then look back at 16 and go, 16-year-olds are supposed to be adults. 16-year-olds are supposed to make decisions like that because that is what happened to me. That is the trauma that befell me. Instead of looking at it and going, I should not have ever experienced that, 16-year-olds are too innocent to experience that, you morph it to make yourself feel better about the position that you were in. And I fear that that is what this person is doing. And what the unfortunate thing is, I think when you are experiencing trauma like that as a, a teenager and as a young adult, you don't even get time to process who you are, right? You, there is so much burden placed on you by society and your environment that if you're a homeless 16 year old, when do you have the chance to take a breath, sit down and reflect about who you are in, in an, as an individual? How do you even know who you are as an individual when you're constantly in an unsafe environment within the world? So this person is looking back and going, well, a 16 year old is an adult because I was an adult at 16. No, you are placed in the unfortunate position of having that burden at 16, which nobody should have to deal with. 
And the same for, for like the, the sexual abuse, maybe the dogmatic religion that some experience as children, they view that and they go, oh, well, that must mean that I like knew who I was and it was something that I had to fight and that's what other people are going through. When in reality, it is just like nurture shaping this now disorder that you have. Non-binary should not be considered under the trans umbrella. Let's go, girl. Oh, this is gonna get... This is evil. I think Wild. that the concept of a transgender umbrella is inherently an issue, right? Because when you're talking about something as nuanced, complex, um, full of social dynamics, medical dynamics, so many things to be considered. When you're talking about a transsexual, you should really be specific, right? And this entire concept actually of transgender is relatively new. Like it came about in the 70s or 80s through queer theory when originally it was about transsexuals, which was considered a medical diagnosis, which was a medical process, and it defines something very specific. So for me, when I hear that non-binary, which if I'm to understand correctly, means I think that androgynous. You, right, and it means you, you know, identify somewhere in between male and female, um, that's not what a transsexual is. The definition of a trans person is somebody whose body has been altered or somebody who identifies as a different gender whose body has been altered by right. hormones or surgery. And there's two genders, so if you want to say, you know, you identify as a different gender, it has to be one of those two, that's which would make argument, you a transsexual yeah. if you're actually trans. I think it makes about as much sense as saying that bisexual is under the straight umbrella. It's like. No, that's a separate thing. And I think there's beauty in being separate things. There's beauty in having your own lanes. And my concern is there's so much, clearly, as we see today, um, really heated conversations about trans people that when you start adding in queer theory, non-binary, it just makes it muddy and the people at home, hello, don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Here's the yeah. thing about a lot of <laughs> the people who identify as non-binary, so to speak. When they do so, they typically don't medically transition. Right. And when you do so, that, that at that point, it's a costume. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's like, what, how, would, how would you medically transition as a non-binary person? Like, what is there to transition to? All you're saying is that, like, uh, we have this non-binary system, and I denounce it, essentially, is what you're saying. I, I can float in between the two different genders, or I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, it does not make sense that these things would be lumped together, just like it doesn't make sense to me that LGBT is lumped together. Just like the whole sense of community, as Blair spoke about, and like this idea of an umbrella doesn't make sense to me whatsoever, as we are all individuals with our own set of thoughts, feelings, experiences, and opinions. We should never be, be lumped together, in, in my opinion. Well, like, it's, it's gender nonconformity, right? And so we, because as, they as can Blair's take saying, this off, I can't take this off. Yeah, as Blair's saying, we look at gender nonconformity, which used to be okay. You can wear what you want, you can you can present however you want, but it doesn't make you something different. You can't, mm -hmm. you know, it, as Blair was saying, it, it comes out of queer theory, which is postmodern neo-Marxism, which means that there's Sarah's read up, baby. No such thing that. as absolute truth. They don't believe there's truth. So it kind of erodes the structure of society. And, it, and it's actually really regressive in a lot of ways because you end up getting it to where it's literally based off of stereotypes, which we've tried to for so long get rid of. Like it's okay to be gender non-conforming male or gender non-conforming female. And that didn't make you non-binary. It didn't make you trans. When I, oof. I feel like uh, all of these individuals, you know, like I, human beings, love them, fine, everything's fine. Compassion for everything that they're going through. I have to point out that all of this is based on stereotypes. All of it. 
all of it. If you are a trans person who is born male and you transition to female and like suddenly you have long hair and you're wearing fake eyelashes and you're wearing skirts and dresses in the color pink and you do your makeup now, you've, you've based it on like a stereotype of, of, of femininity. And, and that's okay. It's okay. I just want to acknowledge that that's what's happening here. So as much as non-binary people are maybe basing their entire existence off of stereotypes, so are trans people. So we should be able to like make it clear. And I mean, you can see it by just looking at this, uh, this still right here. You know, like Blair's in a very feminine outfit, feminine makeup, hair, it's got, you know, everything done as do the other transitioners in their own way, shape or form. It is their own view of what femininity and masculinity looks like. And you can only do that by basing it off of stereotypes. <laughs> and just to add to that, the basis for transitioning in the first place is oftentimes traced back to stereotypes, right? Like I'm a boy, but I played with uh, Barbies and I didn't feel congruent with that. I wore yep. girl, girl clothes or vice versa. Like the it's stereotypes that lead to the feeling of the need to transition in the first place. And then it's still stereotypes on the opposite end. Yep. And, and, and that's, and that's what it is. Like, at, and that's why I view the whole thing is like, you know, the most freeing thing that you can do is accept your body and say, I'm a feminine man or I'm a masculine woman. And I know that's not enough for some people and they feel the need to transition. And if you make that decision as an adult, you know, by all means, make that decision for yourself. I just would would hope and I think, you know, in my own brain that the most freeing thing that you could do would, would be to accept your, your body and that doesn't mean that socially you can't wear dresses and, you know, mess around with, you know, different gender bender ideas and things. I think that's totally fine. I think that can be liberating in a lot of ways. I, as a young girl, was like, I hate dresses and I hate the color pink and I want to wear jeans and I want to, you know, play flag football and do all this stuff. And guess what? I was allowed to explore that and I did that and it was fun and cool. And you feel like, yeah, you know, I, I'm challenging what is expected of me. And I can understand how anybody would feel good about that in their own respective way that they do that. Uh, but to go through just this whole long process to, in my opinion, place yourself in a box because you feel a certain way, it's, a, it's stereotyping. I meet a trans person, right? Like a trans woman, a trans man. There is an inherent camaraderie. Like when you, you know, mentioned, I can't take this off. Part of me almost got a little bit emotional. I know it's hard to believe people think I have emotions, but I really do. And because I saw you in that moment, and I said, you know what? We are similar in that way. We may be different in other ways. We don't know each other very well, but we have that. When I talk to or I'm around a non-binary person, it doesn't really you know, click, it doesn't connect because it is so different. So I think that's inherently, I should be able to see some semblance of my own issue within own that person. And I don't yeah. when they're non-binary at all. And, and so mm. I have no issue with non-binary people. I just don't think that we're the same. Yeah, same. And so when, when, like I was saying before, like when our acceptance rate has completely been destroyed because these people are initiating violence in our name, they're gonna self ID out of the category and then we're gonna be the ones left holding the bag. Yeah, it's mm. just, if sex is a binary and you're neither of those, then you're not trans. Hello. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> I love that. The, the, you're going all back and forth, like philosophically, how they make you feel, whatever, and then you just go, you know, if sex is a binary, and you say you're non-binary, then you're not in the same camp. Simple as that. I think it would be really hard for a cis person to truly imagine what it's like to be trans and what it's like to live with that and be born that way. Sure. And I'm not non-binary, and so I really cannot picture what it would, because I'm a binary trans person, I can't imagine what it's like to be in between that. 
But just like how the cis person can't really truly understand that, it doesn't mean that it's not a thing and it's not real. And I really believe that we have like 85 years like on this earth and like so many people spend so much time being like sad and uncomfortable in their bodies. And if we were just all comfortable, like if somebody like wants to go by a name and like dress a certain way and they are saying, this makes me so comfortable, this is what makes me happy. There is no reason they shouldn't do that. And my God, there is no reason why we should say, well, you're not a part of this. Cause like, this is us and like, this is whatever. Because literally like, we could all sit here and agree that like non-binary people are like not a part of the trans community or whatever, which is not my opinion. But we could like, that doesn't like change anything. Like there's a whole, we have a vast community. And I believe that non-binary people are a part of the community cause I have so many shared experiences with so many non-binary people I know. We have very similar experiences in growing up with dysphoria, with transition, with anything, and nobody has to do anything. Nobody has to transition in a way they don't want to transition. And yeah, like let's be a happy family. Like I can tell Sasha's probably just a very, very sweet person and clearly like an empath uh, amongst this, this group of, of individuals. And I feel for that 100%. Um, and I could definitely see how a non-binary person and a trans person would have very similar upbringings, which is what I spoke about earlier. And that's not to say that all of them are traumatic or whatever. I'm just to say, it's just to say, I feel like if you investigated some of the maybe things that happened in the nurture part of life and the environment part of life, you're going to find a lot of similarities amongst the people who choose to take on these identities. Now, where I would contend with Sasha is this idea that these identities do bring about happiness and that this is truly the way to like fulfill and, and, and fulfill people and solve the uneasiness that they feel within their bodies. I'm not convinced of that. At the same time that we have these people, you know, creating a massive spike and identifying as trans and non-binary and gender fluid and all this different stuff, we have an uptick in depression and anxiety and loneliness and uneasiness. And it just seems to coincide with each other in a way that I feel cannot be separated. Uh, and I don't see that like societal acceptance is the problem here. For the most part, I don't think, uh, you know, trans people are going to face, you know, a lifelong experience of not being accepted in society. For the most part, I think people are compassionate and kind, even towards things that they do not understand, at least face to face. And I don't think that just like a general acceptance of this and making gender a free for all where everybody can just identify as whatever and, you know, do whatever they want and kids can get surgery is the solution and it's going to bring about happiness. And I've yet to see something that proves that to me. So, you know, if if it were as simple as that and I felt like the barrier was just societal acceptance and, you know, once they felt truly accepted, you know, there was no like high suicide rate. There was no like depression and anxiety coupled with these things. Transitioning was going smoothly. Everybody's, you know, like happy, cheery, it's rainbows and sunshine. That would be a different discussion, but it doesn't seem like that is the case. And you cannot separate the depression and the other mental health comorbidities that are entangled with these identities. You just can't. God, let's all just be happy. That's my vibe. <laughs> Yeah, or fight the fight together. Yeah, like let's do honestly, it. Like, like we have separate yeah. fights, though. That's we the thing. No, we I don't, don't know if it is. We're weakening our borders by creating this divide within our own community. This is so silly. Look, I actually understand like a lot of the points that are being made here from the conservative side because I grew up conservative. Mm -hmm. I voted when let's I was eighteen. It. I voted for fucking Bush. Damn oh, girl. Like <laughs> I was conservative, conservative. <laughs> okay. So we're the same age. So it was not until my later age that I kind of decided, like, you know what? Let me be more open to different types of communication. Different types of people, I actually talked so much shit about pronouns. Like, uh, they, 
them, all this. I was like, what is this trash? When it first started really coming out, I did not disagree. I did not agree with it. I was like, what is this? This is stupid. How can you be a them? Blah, 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 blah. You were and correct. And I did the whole thing, the grammatically. You're interrupting me. But you were correct. I'm just saying. I'm agreeing. They asked you not to comment, and you're commenting. So if you could stop, that would be great. Well, Thank whatever. you. So anyway, as I was saying, um, you know, so I, I changed my mind because I got to spend time around other people who were non-binary, who were non-conforming, and I got to speak with them, and I got to experience their life and their experiences. And then I realized myself, I'm like, shit, maybe this is what I've been experiencing my whole life, only because I was exposed to it. If I would have never been exposed to it, I would have never known that this could have been my experience. And I would have lived the rest of my life as a different person, as somebody who I'm not. And it's funny that you keep talking, that some people keep talking about, oh, you need to go through HRT, you need to have surgeries in order to be trans. That is all garbage. Another thing I never said, it's just so crazy. Again, I did. you're still interrupting well, you... me while I'm talking. This is the second time now. You're addressing me. This and is you... the second time now. If you can claim someone said something they didn't say, they should be able to correct you in the moment. I Do you feel, feel good now that you said what you needed to say? I feel fine. Wonderful. I'm sitting pretty. I'm fine. So, <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's like the power that mm. needs to hold me I back. I mean, you're appropriating a medical condition. That's what you're really doing. I exist. I am proof that non-binary people exist and that it is a thing. And because I'm sitting right here in front of all of you, all of you, I'm a real person. This is my experience, just as yours, sorry, it's just as yours is a trans experience. I really can't speak to anything that was just said. It's not like, it's just like all anecdotal experience stuff. I mean, like there, there's nothing to really like combat or argue. Nobody's saying that this individual doesn't exist or doesn't believe that they are, are non-binary. We're just like questioning the foundation on which that claim lies, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, I would argue that this person is a really feminine man, and that's totally cool, and it's a feminine man who, like, loves to wear makeup and loves to experiment or whatever, and you can view that in whatever, like, way you want to judge it, but it's a man who likes doing that, those things, and that's totally cool. The issue lies in the stereotyping which we spoke about before just because you are a man who likes to like speak in a feminine manner or like do makeup or whatever doesn't mean that you are now stepping out of the category of he him and now you must be something other than a man because men could never wear makeup it's actually you know i i don't know it's actually more patriarchal, if you think about it, right? That as soon as a man starts to adopt a feminine trait within his lifestyle, he's no longer a man. We must strip you of your manhood and now you are something else. You're either a she, her, or you're a they, them. Is that not like a point for the patriarchy on your guys' point? Like, is, isn't that what leftists believe? That men should be able to be whatever they want and show their emotions and wear makeup and wear dresses and stuff like that. And women could be strong and assertive and aggressive and all these things. But as soon as they do it, they're like, hmm, I don't think I'm a woman anymore. I was really aggressive at the meeting at work today. <laughs> I think I need to like call myself a they them. Or I woke up this morning and I want to wear like trousers and a blazer. I must be a they them. It sounds like awfully patriarchal based on their own logic. Make it make sense. The math is not mathing. That as a trans woman, as a trans man, or as whatever. But I'm not here to belittle your experience or to tell you that you don't exist. And that's the difference between you and I, that you're trying to cancel you. And when I say you, I'm talking about conservatives. Oh, and maybe gosh. it is you. You're part of the thing. So, you're part so of the thing. So here's why, where I get to interject so because there's a lot okay. of things said so about me. Stop addressing her and just talk to everybody. Okay. But what is your dysphoria? Well, I, there was some things. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to let you. Okay. So another complete 
I don't want to say the word lie, but I guess that's what it is about what I've said here, right? I never said you don't exist. So we can add that to the long list of things y'all have said I've said that I didn't. We know you exist. You're here. You're not fictitious, right? My point is you're different than me, and I don't even think you deny that, but yet when I say it, it's an issue, right? The same way that he said he can't take that off, you can, right? It's different. At the very least, it's different. And when we have a community that there are so many categories, demi-girl, demi-boy, astrosexual, all this shit, but y'all can't fathom that maybe that would be a different category than what I am when we have such different, as you keep saying, and everyone keeps saying, experiences? It doesn't make sense. A bisexual is different than a gay man. Can, can I ask a question? I just actually want to logic. ask you a question. What is your dysphoria, though? Because gender dysphoria, or sex dysphoria, a great I, question. I would rather call it, is a, an uncomfortability between my secondary sex characteristics, not just what I wear on a daily basis, because masculinity and femininity doesn't have anything to do with being trans. But that's not true. But that is not true. You can have dysphoria without having to be dysphoric about your sex parts. But what is your you dysphoria? Can't have dysphoria? What is, what about is your anything? dysphoria? Straight cis women have dysphoria about their breast lots and they get breast augmentation. It's not, just, it's not gender dysphoria. dysphoria. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that I'm not dysphoric about certain things. Ooh. That doesn't mean that. And you don't know my life. You're not in my life well, daily. Well, that's why I asked you a You don't know what I, I experience, the, the different things that I experience personally. I cannot believe that I grew up as, you know, this five-year-old little kid experiencing just crippling gender dysphoria, like horrible thoughts, struggled so much my entire life to be sitting in this room and you're explaining to her what dysphoria is. I have my experience. It's it doesn't mean amazing. that I didn't have crippling. You got a different it experience. It doesn't mean You got a different experience. We all have a different experience. We all have different experience. I know, but we're all it's both okay. not a okay. different thing. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's that okay. simple. We don't identify as our gender at birth. Obviously, I'm not a non-binary person, so I can't speak for non-binary people, but I can talk about what I've been taught by non-binary people. From what I understand, when it comes to some non-binary people, sometimes they have to go into the gender binary for safety reasons, depending on the environment that they're in. A non-binary person stepping into this world and dismissing the gender norms of what people think a man and a woman is supposed to be like is so powerful. If You're not, dude, if you, Break a gender norm, and because you broke that gender norm, start to identify from non-binary, start to identify as non-binary, you're not breaking the gender norm. You're reinforcing the gender norm. If I go and I wake up tomorrow and I go, you know what, I'm gonna, you know, wear a, a pantsuit. I don't know, like what is, what is it that men do that is gonna be all that different? I'm gonna be the head of my household and I'm gonna wear a pantsuit and I'm the protector and provider of my, my home, right? And then I go, ah, I must be a they, them. You are not challenging gender stereotypes. You are doing the opposite. To challenge gender stereotypes would to be to stand in that decision and say, I'm the protector, I'm the provider, I'm wearing a pantsuit, I'm assertive or whatever, and I'm also a woman, and my pronouns are she, her. The future is female. That would be how you break gender norms. Hi, Dios. It's not making sense. You don't want to be mutable to the times of the expansion of the trans and non-binary experience, then just say that. I would rather you just say that you are not willing to move forward, learn the new terminology, learn the new pronouns that come with the trans umbrella and the trans experience for the most part. And also, it's, uh, I'm sorry, one more thing. And also too, 
There are non-binary people who have different sexual orientations. Let's also name that too. There are so many layers of nuance that we can really get to when it comes down to the root of what being non-binary is. But what's the definition? But it doesn't make them trans. My big thing, when it comes to, you know, I agree with a lot of the things that you just said. I've, I actually love you, uh, I adore you. Oh, thank you, um, right back at you. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? That's not the prompt. The prompt was, is it different? And it is. Again, when I go out, mm -hmm. I can't like take my beard off, girl. It's not coming off. Right. You know, I, unfortunately, you know, as much as I hate having facial hair, despite being a guy, you know, like real it <laughs> yeah. like i can't go and reshape my body i can't go and shave my adam's apple down i've been on this since i was 15 what if it had gone wrong so i have an mm. interesting experience with non-binary myself um as someone who has presented as a um binary trans man i also don't take testosterone so for me um especially throughout my transition uh, I took testosterone for a short period of time uh, just to get the beard and the aesthetics that I wanted to in my transition once I reached those goals. I personally um, didn't want to lose my um, access to being able to give birth to a kid, especially with being with my wife for 17 years. We've been wanting to have kids, so I wanted to you know, have a backup uterus, so to speak. And in that process of doing that, I've discovered a lot about myself and my own identity of what is a man and what is a woman. And for me, um, when I take a look at the, the, the issue in the conversation, there's kind of two things happening. Simultaneously, our community is infighting with each other instead of looking outwardly at these structural systems that are actually truly affecting us with laws, politics, access to medical care, and et cetera. While simultaneously, we see that the idea of fitting into the patriarchal structures, the misogyny, everything that is kind of placed in us, I don't subscribe to that. I mean, I, all my life, have been breaking the rules of what a gender ideology is just by my pure existence. I didn't grow up with the idea of knowing what trans was my entire life. I discovered that actually being homeless. I didn't discover that through some collegiate uh, access to college or influence from others. There was no one around me that knew or that I knew it was trans. I discovered that myself. Um, but as I've aged in my transition, because I've been trans for damn near almost 20 years now, I've discovered my own fluidity in that area because I actually enjoy my female side too. I, I'm not gonna make the same argument, but you're not breaking gender norms. You're, this is not some sort of like massive activism where you're doing anything different. If you start to take on masculine characteristics and then you transition to be a man, you are not breaking gender norms. And I don't know like where we keep like reinforcing that this is somehow what is happening when it's not what's happening. We got another prompt. You guys are watching, so we're gonna stick around and we're gonna keep going. Uh, we'll see how long this stream ends up being. So let's, let's hear the other prompt. Doctors are manipulating trans medical care. Of course they are. If you get a fat check for making somebody transition, why would you not make somebody transition? It's the like the same way that I view like anything that comes with like a, a for-profit structure. It's just something that we deal with. And this is not to say I'm not an advocate of the free market. It's just to say that like, especially when healthcare, it's gonna rear its ugly head at you. And maybe there are safeguards that we need for this. Uh, it seems like apparently there is because there are there's medical malpractice happening all over the place now. But yes, doctors are manipulating trans medical care 100%. The fact that we even have kids transitioning at all means that they are. 
And I'll just add to that, Amala, that there's also the element of doctors themselves can be activists in their mentality with regard to this and be super bought into the gender ideology narrative and be you know, invested in giving gender-affirming care for that reason. And there's also institutional capture, like we saw a lot with the COVID, the pandemic, like just the institutions of the powers that be are saying that this is the treatment that must be administered, maybe for, for financial incentives, for maybe for ideological, but a lot of doctors just toe the line because they didn't want to lose their license or get in trouble or, or you know, just make any waves in the medical community. So I think those are two other elements that could incentivize doctors besides just making money. Yeah, 100%. And then it's like, look at the uh, assistant attorney general of something of health or something, secretary of health, uh, Rachel Levine, who is a trans individual, trans woman, who's advocating that children be able to transition. Of course, if you are somebody who's made that decision, you're going to go, yeah, kids should be able to do it too, because look at the camp that I'm in, and I want other people to be in that camp. It it actually astounds me that you have conservative trans people who exist, and it is a, it is a feat all on its own to uh, have this viewpoint and be trans, because it is a, a rare thing, and you know, you know the reason why it's rare, but it is also... A, a point of view that requires deep self-awareness and self-reflection. So I am like proud of each and every person who's here to represent that side uh, who who is trans because it truly is. It truly takes taking stock of yourself and identifying, you know, what led you down this path in order to have that stance. And it's not to say that the liberal camp didn't do the same, uh, but it, it is a feat in its own to be conservative and trans at the same time. I think there's three types of doctors out there. I think there are the ones who absolutely think that they're doing this for the right reasons. I think that there are the ones who are absolutely doing it for money, like we saw at Vanderbilt. The, doctor, the people at Vanderbilt literally said this is a huge moneymaker. And then I think that there are, I don't know if it's incompetence or ineptitude because, or laziness. Because what we're seeing, not just in the trans community, we're seeing in society, SSRI is being pushed on, on patients, mental health, doctors are pushing so many different uh, drugs without getting to the root issues. See, I have an interesting perspective on this. I've been out for 11 years this year. I've been on testosterone since I was 15 years old. And even looking into it, I waltzed my little ass up into that doctor's office mm. and I left on testosterone. He gave me mm. my first shot in the doctor's office that day. Crazy. I was 15 years old. Crazy. What, if I had, what if I had been wrong? What if I had been wrong? It really just is that simple. I'm joining Midconvo. Wow, nice to see you. Because I think like it's not, I don't think it's like a huge widespread issue, but I think when we're, we have like a for-profit healthcare system, it does happen. Like I feel like there are, doc, I, I believe that people should be evaluated and go through tests. And like for me getting on testosterone and getting surgery was a massive process in my life. But I do think that it probably happens. Just like you said, like with SSRIs and stuff, like things are overprescribed. So good for Sasha for changing his mind and then going, you know what, I'm going to walk forward. That's a that's a great thing to even if you don't view your own experience that way to have enough awareness to go. My experience is not that of others. And there's plenty of evidence that shows that people have been manipulated into this choice uh, medically. Good snaps for snaps for Sasha. Oh, 
I do think it's a massive issue. Um, I think that society in general, as Sarah mentioned, is over-medicalized right now. We're in this weird climate where there are entire political movements behind if you do or you don't have a vaccine, you can't enter this building if you do, you can if you do, you know, it's like crazy. But, you know, when it comes to the trans issue, I think just the fact that there were really almost no detransitioners as recent as like five, six years ago, um, and the fact that it's exploded now shows that it is a massive issue. And, you know, I think that I can reflect what you said. I was over 18 when I started my hormones, but I had a 20 minute appointment. And just like you, I walked in and out with an estrogen prescription. Mm. Insane. I wasn't tested for my levels. I didn't have to levels. see a therapist first. No. I had no letter. And you were a child. I was that's a child. Crazy. Was so, and that old. is a very, in very one of the most conservative states in the country. So if that's what's going wow. on in Georgia, wow. can imagine what's going on everywhere else. California, hello. Yeah, when I went for my um, initial appointment, I literally helped my doctor find gender dysphoria on his chart and Ugh. mark it for me. That's insane. And I walked out with my prescription and yeah. that day. I, I, I mean, because I do a lot of work with the D-trans community. And the problem is, is I actually don't really care too much about, you know, if you are an adult and you walk into a doctor's office and want, uh, want estrogen and you walk out, it's, I don't think that's an issue. What is an issue is when doctors are not giving all the information, when they're actually telling you that this is what's right for you and then it's not. Mm -hmm. um, they're actually manipulating their patients, they're manipulating, you know, they say, if you don't do this, you're gonna kill yourself and, and all this stuff. So. I would actually rather a doctor say, I have no idea what this is gonna do to you, but it's your body, your choice, you can do what you want, and then leave you on your way and you can make that decision. Right. I think right. they're not asking the patient why. Why do you feel this way? Another, it's a simple question. Another thing I was never informed of, you know, when I started my hormone journey, and now it seems, you know, like common sense, but I was, you know, 20, so it's like, you know, even 20 year olds can have oversights. Um, no one told me I had to freeze my sperm. That's crazy. So I feel like there's a laundry list of things. There's probably like a million things you would need to go through before getting on hormone replacement therapy, before going down sex reassignment surgery. You couldn't possibly get that done in one uh, meeting with a doctor, even as an adult. So like, even as an adult, you think you could possibly go through the whole laundry list of, of side effects and this and that and different things you need to bear in mind when going on hormones or you know advocating for sex reassignment surgery? Probably not. Even as an adult, it should probably take more than one meeting with a, a specialist to get this done and get you on whatever track you need to be on. So I'm years into estrogen. I reach the, the point of adulthood where you maybe meet a partner where that might be something you want to do. And I learned that I can't. And it's mm -hmm. simply because that doctor didn't care to tell me. And why, who knows? Maybe it was because of money. It was easier for him or better for him to get me in and out and get that money rather than maybe a couple more appointments where I'm having to figure out, you know, how to freeze my sperm in the meantime. But a lot of these doctors are also activists. They're, they also they're, don't tell trans men that they're going to go through menopause. Right. There's a lot of issues with trans men. Buck Angel talks about that. Yeah. Uh, he almost a lot died. Of issues. Yeah, like he's he a almost friend died. of mine. Like, yeah. yeah. Insane. Okay, let's hear it. Um, so I actually almost walked up first <laughs> um, because I do feel like the system is like pretty broken and there's not enough education in the medical system for doctors to be prescribing all the things that they do. Again, discussing SSRIs. Dude. And this is a good point. Uh, doctors are manipulating people when it has nothing to do with transness. <laughs> like, if you're looking at Western medicine right now and just like the state of medicine in America, how many people 
are on just like completely life-altering medication for a variety of different illnesses that have nothing to do with being trans, nothing to do with gender dysphoria. We have a problem in our medical care system. So if doctors are manipulating, you know, people in other arenas, why would they not be doing the same with trans medical care? And they have even more incentive to do it with trans medical care because of the activism, because of the narrative, and because of the money that they get. Y'all are getting manipulated by doctors without even experiencing gender dysphoria. So everybody should have walked up for this prompt just by virtue of living in the current, you know, United States of America that we're living in right now with medicine. Like I was a victim of that myself. And so, you know, I, I empathize for those stories. I, I understand that that does happen. I'm not negating that. Um, but I think to negate, you know, medical service to somebody who needs it, um, who, who it might be life or death for, um, just because you feel some type of way about it, isn't right. Like, why do you care what, you know, little Timothy or, or, or Sally are doing or whatever. Like, why do you personally care what? Well, Timothy and well, Sally children, are eight and 12, so. so. Okay, sorry, we're doing no comment. But we're not talking about children seven or 12, and this doesn't happen often. Has it happened? Yeah, it has, because that's the thing. It's, it's a big world. Like, things happen all the time. Things we can't even imagine happen. It's just as a reality. But again, to walk through a door and then close it for other people to walk through, that's kind of messed up in my opinion, so. So to your point for being able to receive uh, hormone therapy in the way that you did, um, I had a similar experience. I was able to walk in and get access to hormones. Um, and that system was set up through advocacy because of what a lot of community folks are actually facing when it comes to access to hormones, access to medical care, access to all of these things. So a lot of these nonprofits actually got rid of a lot of the red tape because for some individuals like myself who was actually homeless during my transition process, I would have never been able to afford access or get through all of this process. Now, can I admit that there is some medical malpractice? Yes, I myself um, had uh, issues obtaining testosterone consistently. Um, uh, you know, for some reason, you know, the script doesn't match up or you got to get in contact with the doctor. And it was part of the reason why I chose actually to go off testosterone because I didn't like the idea of not having constant access because I was worried about the damage that it could cause to my body. And also because I wanted to keep intact my reproductive rights. So that doesn't sound like malpractice to me. He said the reasons that he couldn't consistently get testosterone is because maybe the script didn't match up or they couldn't get access to the doctor. These, that sounds like, you know, what a doctor should be doing, constantly checking in on you while you're on hormones, making sure that the script is correct uh, for what you're taking. So if somebody denied you testosterone, it's probably not because they're some transphobe activist. It's probably because your script didn't match up and they couldn't get a hold of your doctor. That does not signify malpractice to me at all. Uh, from what I have seen when it comes to these detransitioners, from my understanding in terms of the statistics, Trans people are 8% of the population, and then the detransitioners are somewhere from 1% to 8% as well. So all of these laws that are coming in is to affect the entire community as a broad, while we're, the percentages that we're affecting people is so small. Well, simultaneously, if we looked at things like in the past, like HIV with things like AZT drugs that were harming folks, yeah. those folks went through all of those processes and learned the research of what it was to properly take care of HIV through that unfortunate, horrible, horrific process. I mean, of, it was basically chemo. Yeah, I mean, AZT was killing people and they had no clue what we're doing. 
Now, unfortunately, because trans people have not got access to medical transition as long, and especially in the transmasculine community, there's a lot of research that has not been done. So to a degree, yes, we are guinea pigs in the shot in the dark. But just like in the 80s when AZT was being discovered, or 90s when it's being discovered, those folks had to go through that process. And I was given informed consent and understood that when I signed that. We just don't. The lack of eye contact is getting to me, but um, again, and this seems to be like the person's, this person's justification for most of his arguments. Because this traumatic experience was inflicted on X group of people, it justifies the traumatic experience being inflicted on us. And that's just doesn't work. Like the whole ACT argument is not necessarily related to what is being said here about hormones and doesn't justify what is being done on like the front lines of the trans debate to people who are experiencing gender dysphoria whatsoever. You can say, like, you can identify an issue with AZT and say that should have been handled, you know, differently. It's not to advocate that you should also be guinea pigs for, you know, sex reassignment and hormone therapy. We're going to do one more prompt here. Uh, maybe we'll put a poll in the chat down below. You guys can choose. Should I do the final prompt that gender-affirming transition is suicide prevention? Or should we go back, as many of you have requested in the chat, and do I support the transgender military ban? You let me know. In the meantime, we'll, we'll watch a little bit more of this. Don't know. Because the studies aren't there, like you said, right? So the problem is when you talk about like, the detransition rate, what generally happens is there's no follow-up. The longest study that's been done is five years out. The uh, average detransition happens between four and 10 years. Mm. So we're not capturing all of that. Plus, if you haven't had your primary sex organs removed, you literally stop, you just stop taking hormones and then you never go see your doctor again. And so they never follow up and you just fall off the rolls. So they, the, the stats on detransition is completely false. So I wanna say something. First of all, I wanna empathize with everyone here when it comes to healthcare system, because it's not always for us. Um, I don't think that doctors are manipulating trans care. I think they're still learning about trans care. And to your mm. point, there is not a lot of research because the research is still new and fresh. You know, detransitioning is a thing, but truth be told, detransitioning is actually rare when it comes to not just wanting to be trans anymore. Now, the underlying factors within that is healthcare conditions, uh, which I actually heard um, a trans man who is famous talk about. There's a bunch of, you know, underlying reasons why somebody might want to detransition. It is by no means rare with the current population of trans people that we have, and it's increasing, like, uh, you know, exponentially, it seems, with how this, like, social contagion continues to go on. And even if you agree with Blossom's point that doctors are still learning about how to treat transgender patients, doesn't that mean that you should maybe slow down? Doesn't that mean that you shouldn't be, you know, giving people testosterone shots on their very first meeting with you? If you can actively admit that you're still learning how to treat patients with gender dysphoria, maybe you should hold off and yes, let them sit in the discomfort for a little while and navigate that for a little while, no matter how hard it may be, uh, so that you don't make them lifelong medical patients before you've learned the, the proper way to treat these patients. So whatever way you slice it, the wrong thing is being done. Now, you guys have voted on which prompt we should move on to. It seems like you guys want me to go back and watch the I support uh, the trans military ban. So let's go back and watch that prompt. Gender military ban. Agreeers? And I am going to agree with this one. Um, and here's the reason that I'm going to agree with this one. 
I don't necessarily think it needs to be a hard and fast rule that maybe all trans people are banned from the military, but I view gender dysphoria as it was initially categorized, which was in the DSM as a disorder, right? And if you cannot get into the military with like, you know, depression and anxiety and all these other different slew of things uh, that they will no longer accept you for, why is it that somebody who is experiencing a discomfort great enough to make them transition should be allowed to serve in our military? I have a personal story. So my grandfather was in the Navy. And uh, when I was like 18, I was like, oh, maybe maybe I'll join the Navy and I'll, I'll check that out. Started talking to a recruiter or whatever. And they said, you had spinal surgery when you were 14. We can no longer accept you into the Navy. That alone was an, enough to not be able to serve in the military. Yet somebody who is experiencing gender dysphoria is able to serve in, in the military to me. It does not make sense. Is Taylor muted? What's going on in the chat? <laughs> I was. I was. I was just making a passing comment about having FOMO because so many of you were talking about uh, how the ending is the best part. But uh, I digress. And to your point, Amla, I once was like when American Sniper came out. OK, I got really into that whole thing and uh, grew out my beard and was like this close to joining the military. And uh, I thought I was like a reasonably well able-bodied man, but I had I had birth injury when I was being born and it kind of limited the mobility on my right arm and shoulder. And just from like not being able to reach behind my back a certain length, uh, that basically disqualified me from military service. So the idea that it's this massively oppressive, restrictive, discriminatory thing uh, to discriminate people for things. I mean, you have to be physically fit. You have to meet a lot of qualifications to, uh, it's a, it should be the cream of the crop. That's who we want out there defending us. And so, I mean, I don't feel oppressed because of that. I get it. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, there's like so many different standards. The littlest thing can get you disqualified for being able to join the military. So with that in mind, uh, of course, that this should not be allowed. We got justice for Taylor guys. I see all of you in the chat. <laughs> he's, he's back. <laughs> I think that oftentimes when you talk about trans people in the military, people forget that most places, if we're talking about feet on the ground and really going into war zones, are really dangerous for trans people. And so it's a, really an extra risk. You're talking about the culture that exists over yeah, there. Yeah, the Middle East, yeah. you know, yeah. it's so like that's not exactly the trans friendly, place it's for actually us, the yes. opposite. The medications that we take sometimes put us in conflict with being able to actually be combat ready. Uh, but there is some nuance here, obviously, like if there was a trans cook or a trans medic, I'm not exactly going to be upset. But um, for the most part, I, when it comes I, to combat. I hate supporting like what you just said. I hate supporting it because it goes to the narrative of the um, should athletes compete in sports, you know, but trans athletes. Yeah, the, the drugs we take do weaken us, you know, so we're not, like you just said, combat ready, but we're also not as physically strong as the guy counterparts standing right next to us. And so. I will say, like, as a person with HIV, I was diagnosed at 18, um, I couldn't go into the military, like, because I couldn't get Big Tarby overseas, you know? Yeah, so I, I will say, as probably the only tr person that served in the military on yeah. this entire yeah. panel. You should have spoke first. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, the thing about it is I think that there, there is a lot of nuance in this. I actually have friends that are currently serving in the military. I think there was a lot of um, 
miscommunication or misrepresentation of what the trans ban actually did. You know, you have soldiers, if you have surgeries, they go on profile, which means they can't actually do their job. They, they can't do PT. Um, if you have bottom surgery, it, it takes a year. And so as a leader, that person's filling a position of a job of somebody that should be doing it. Um, I don't mind somebody who is actually on hormones going there because there's a lot of people. I mean, people take PTSD medications overseas. They actually take six months of medication with them. Um, so a full-out ban I don't necessarily support um, because I think that any and everybody in the military, as long as you can do your job, you can go in there and nobody really cares. But it is those times when if you can't perform your job, that, that becomes an issue. Um, you talk about with HIV, actually. Most people don't even realize this. If you contract HIV, while you're in, you can stay in a non-deployable yeah. non job. Right, and then mm. also, you know, if we want to just get super real, you have the trans suicide rate, and if you really want to compound that by the veteran suicide rate, that's not exactly a concoction right. for very positive results. So I see how a trans ban could actually benefit us, and Lord knows I'm not trying to get drafted, so yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, all, I'm all good with that. Period, yeah. <laughs> I think it's very discriminatory to keep trans people out of the military. We pay our bills here. We pay our taxes here. We are Americans. We deserve to serve this country as well. How I pay my bills. I pay taxes. Is it discriminatory that they won't let me into the military because I had a back surgery at 14? No. <laughs> Ever. You all did say. raise some great points about the concern and safety of trans people. And I do agree that something does need to be done about that to protect us. Who's protecting us in the military? Who is? I mean, if you're even diagnosed with like mild social anxiety, you're not eligible to enter the military. If you have like a crooked left, you know, pinky toe, you're not eligible. So discriminatory, I mean, that word sounds pretty in today's climate, very much like, oh no, discrimination, but it's not always bad. Sometimes it's for the safety and it's like, you know, when it comes to the military, and when it comes to keeping America safe, that has priority or anyone's feelings. Discrimination is discrimination, and I don't think there's not always any a negative other way thing, around though. it. It's well, still we, discrimination, protect, that doesn't mean it's negative, though. Our troops over there, while they're over there, you're talking about, or protect them before, so they can get Both. in. It is important to protect all trans people in the military. Well, we can't waste resources protecting them. And so what if the best way to protect them, them is not putting them in the Middle East with Muslims that are gonna kill them? Well, I just wanna interject your point about suicide. So as somebody who has worked uh, in community service with uh, community members directly, mm -hmm. a lot of their suicide issues actually revolve around access to finances. And the military is one of the highest employers of transgender people. So we actually see the suicide rate drop. And well, for me personally- point, but it's one of the highest employers of anybody. But if oh. you're suicidal <laughs> and you go into a job that has a high likelihood of PTSD, causing PTSD and all these other issues, then it becomes a big issue because then you already have a one mental illness and then you're compounding it with more. And when you're on, you know, a very strict regimen of, if, you know, if you're trans and if you're really trans, and we can get into who's really trans later because I'm yeah, gonna have to say about that, but about if that. you're gonna be on hormones, right, you're not always gonna have access to those drugs when you're deployed and when you're in those situations. That's why I say, if you're you know, a line cook or something, if you're whatever, that's one thing. Yeah, it just sounds like there are some jobs that maybe this would work out for and other jobs where it wouldn't. I'm more concerned about uh, the like mental health of, of people who are experiencing gender dysphoria and then 
putting them in the place of being in the military, which is not necessarily like a stress-free, you know, cakewalk environment to be in. I mean, even if you're a line cookie, your ass is going through boot camp and all that fun stuff. How is somebody going to fare? I mean, if you're you're gender dysphoric and you make it through and you're doing your job or and you want to serve the country, by all means, like, who am I to say, like, don't serve our country? I think that's a wonderful thing if that's what you want to do and you're capable of doing it and you have the mental fortitude to be there. I just question that that would be you know, a baseline for the average trans person. But, you know, if you're meeting all the the same, you know, physical standards as everybody else, they're doing psyche vows on, uh, I hope, uh, you know, uh, active uh, members of the military, and you're passing all that, who am I? Who am I? But if we're talking about combat, you're not exactly gonna have access to your testosterone blockers and your how estrogen. Do you, how do you know that? Because medical because they care don't have is those covered kind of in the trans. In the Middle East. Medical care is covered in the military, so they should have access to that. So that is false information. Not and also, no, you guys are forgetting right, the fact. Well, but, hold on. You guys have all. Why not let the person who's in the military speak? Why not let them, you know, tell you what is true and what's false as somebody who's been through the process? Forgotten the fact of what is the flip side for these transgender individuals that are <sighs> signing up for the military and they're taken out and that was their life plan. Where are they supposed to work and where is their employment supposed to be? No, because I the agree, mental illness that happens I agree, it's through horrible. homelessness and the lack of resources that come. So right. that is also actually, the flip side of that. So if folks don't have, hold on out. one second, but if they don't have access to a job that could offer them support and research but, and access to medication, access to benefits, lifetime benefits that's something that most transgender people in any sector of any so do you job want an answer to your question or are you just going around because I can answer you said what about those people <laughs> oh that gosh. were kicked out I actually think it's bad if you are someone who was in it and you really are because just like you know Sarah and I've met many trans veterans that I've paid respect to you publicly on social media and I think it's amazing actually so if you're kicked out and it was once you know the norm what's that you the could, resources you're I'm speaking them, though if you're kicked out and you it once was the norm for who's getting kicked out dude have y'all ever heard once heard a story of somebody saying like I'm trans and I was kicked out of the military never heard it I feel like that would be front page news the New York Times the Washington Post Huff Post it would be everywhere if there was actually a story of somebody you know identifying as trans and getting kicked out of the military do we not have like trans individuals who are representing the military right now didn't we like just name one of our like naval ships after Harvey Milk who was a huge LGBTQ advocate like where is this happening to where they're actively being kicked out of the military and you know ushered into homelessness. Guess what? We're not doing that to trans veterans. We're doing that to normal veterans. They're being ushered into homelessness here in this country and nobody gives a shit about that. But all of a sudden, because somebody says, I'm a man who identifies as female and we literally have no evidence of them being kicked out of the military, then we're like all up in arms about the homeless veterans in this country. Please. For you to participate in the military, that's sad. But at the same time, if that is what is determined for the ultimate safety and effectiveness of the military. Nothing should come before that. Blair, have you ever the worked directly with trans Because the second people? bomb, I love this. Have argument. you ever worked directly? I am right now. I am right now. No, We're directly surrounded in by them. services in terms of nonprofits Sir, and actually she's a getting clientele. She's not That's grassroots. My entire career. She is not a grassroots. Not grassroots. Because truth be told, a lot of our community <laughs> mean? is in grassroots. Have you ever had a client list of transgender that people that you Hold actually on just took care second. of? Hold on. Now I know why y'all wanted me to watch this part because Blair, they're trying to eat up Blair and it's just not going to work. Uh, you cannot. It's just not going to work. Just took care of them like what, like paid their bills? No, I'm I don't sorry, offering them so. services, getting them through services. I've helped a lot of trans, trans people in my life. Or yeah. So wait, what? <laughs>
the argument here is if you haven't like actively taken a homeless trans person off the street and like offered them resources and paid for their health care, then you're not allowed to like advocate for your opinion on trans medical care or like the trans military ban. What type of argument is that? Like, please, <laughs> please make that make sense to me. I mean, people will try to like bob and weave their way in order to make you look like a horrible person as much as they possibly can. I'm sure Blair dealt with this for the whole, I don't even know how many hours she was in this situation. But my goodness, is that just the bootiest argument I have ever, <laughs> ever heard. Organizations that are ran by trans people. I really want to see what you've done for those organizations because I don't see any of y'all on the front line. Dude, what? I need to take a moment. Okay. If you are a conservative trans person, why would you want to work with these trans organizations? They are actively against your ideology, your way of life. They are advocating for the transitioning of children. So why would you look at them and say, what have you done to work with the Trevor Project? Or, you know, what have you done to work with the Human Rights Campaign? What have you done to work with GLAAD? When these organizations are essentially duct taping the mouth of detransitioners and not allowing them to tell their stories, they're transitioning kids, they're advocating for a gender science that makes absolutely no sense. Why would Blair or any of the other conservatives on this panel be lining up to work with these organizations? Please let me know in the chat down below. I'm on the, the front, front line. line. Like, what are you talking about? I've dedicated, hold on, hold on. I've dedicated my entire life to in my own way, and you can disagree with that because we all have our vehicles and our methods Correct. towards Absolutely. promoting trans acceptance and the ultimate progression of the quality of life of trans people. I've dedicated my entire life to that, right? I access millions of people every single month on all my social media. And I have people reaching out all the time saying that I've saved them from so just like we mentioned, doing? suicide. Like, physically, physically doing? Physically. That is the point. Have you ever taken okay, on so a client the thing. Have you ever so had someone call you I'm homeless sorry, do you and have give like, them resources? I'm sure like you guys feel very... You guys are asking questions and you have no interest in the answer. I'm sure you guys are very, very proud because of the fact that you can walk... Because you're going around in circles, Blair. That's what we're saying. How could... Blair's going around in circles. Are the circles in the room with us? Because it is. Oh my gosh, it is not Blair who is going around in circles. Taylor, you're literally like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're basically saying, like, have you handed someone a packet about gender-affirming care and get to give them resources about where they can find it for free or something like that? Like, that, that is good and useful, and you can't speak on any of these issues unless you've participated in that. I was thinking about you, like, if you cover stuff on race on the channel, it's like, well, if you didn't march for Black Lives Matter, how can you talk about the looting that happened in Philadelphia last week? It's just right. uh, completely nonsensical. It makes no sense whatsoever. This is wild. Okay, y'all, I see why y'all wanted me to go back and watch this. Could it be a circle when I haven't answered the question at all because you keep speaking? I'm sure you guys are very proud that you can enter a building and work with 25 people at a time. I access millions oh, every month. Oh, that is not what nonprofit work is. It, it, you know, you you it's really so disappointing that you would ever equate this community is service. This is disappointing, actually. It's, this is very disappointing. It's disappointing that you would disrespect all of the people that are in community service and all of these social workers that actually Correct. do help. She didn't disrespect. Y'all disrespected her. You tried to invalidate what she's doing, which is actively reaching. The reason she's on this episode is because she's probably the most famous person there for her advocacy. She, she's more famous than any person sitting there, even Blossom, who's been to the White House and all this stuff or whatever, because of her advocacy of a point of view that is necessary in today's day and age. So you're invalidating her advocacy. She's not saying anything about what you're doing. She's not even trying to invalidate you whatsoever. 
That's wild. What was it on the conservative versus liberal gays we reacted to with Amir a couple weeks ago? Uh, the, the point came up about whether they support child transitioning. And one of the conservative participants talked about how they had helped pass a bill in, in I forget which state to, you know, ban child transitioning or whatever. And there was a similar response. It was like, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm so disappointed in you. Uh, there's like this mentality. What do you think? I'm, I want to know your perspective of like uh -huh. this this need, like you're not towing the line on this particular point. You're, you're on the outside of the moral stance. And so it's not about what is the validity of your perspective or let's let's weigh uh, what you're bringing to the table in terms of argument against what I'm bringing to the table. It's just this immediately like you're an evil person. Yeah, you know, you have to toe the line completely. You have to be in every single way, shape or form, subscribe to the ideology or you're out of the camp. And this is for everything in life. It's like for being a black person, you have to agree with X, Y and Z or you're out. For being a woman, agree with X, Y and Z or you're out. For being trans, agree with X, Y and Z or you're out. And of course, Blair's not going to do that. Like you, you, you guys are familiar you know her her standpoint on many of these issues and they they just can't have it so now you are a transphobe even though you are actively a trans person mind-blowing mind-blowing help trans people and it's really disappointing that you guys are disrespecting what the fuck i do right when you say something about what is grassroots, that's the problem that I feel that some well, trans using a are disconnected. For something that's that is not a they're metaphor. That is a, that the is a tangible resource organization. Because if you, this is where y'all's privilege come in. Because if y'all don't need my services, my content trans, is a resource. If you do not need First services, first of all, ma'am, don't come for my privilege. That are trans led. You have I was raised by drug addicts. I have I'm HIV. Sorry. I create the resources. I would rather work with detransitioners. My content is a resource. So we're gonna work with detransitioners who actually need our help. Um, <laughs> but Hello. we're not talking about military. Oh my god. So I'm <laughs> It's the condescension okay. for me, you know. I will let I will take a step back and let other people have an I opinion. feel like the Thank I feel you. like so like Blair said, like when you want to go into the military, like they gotta like check you out and like are you fit to go into the military, whatever. For that reason, I don't feel like a like a ban on trans people in the military is necessary because I feel like who's ready to go to combat and who's ready to go in, like they'll get in. I think there are people who are like able to do that, maybe people who aren't. And I feel like that will be determined without just a ban across the board and yeah. So it wasn't actually a full ban though. That's what people don't realize, okay? So- You can still enlist. Nobody got kicked out of the military. They didn't yeah. kick a single person out of the military who, who came forward and had gender dysphoria. Two, it was actually easy. It's, it's more open to serve under the, the ban than it was under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Yeah. Okay? So you could actually be a trans person and present however you wanted off duty. You could go to a ball in a dress and nobody cared and you couldn't, they couldn't kick you out. And serving in the military, it's not a right. They can disqualify you for any reason, physical, anything. People get kicked out of the, all the time because they can't pass PT tests. Right. And, and Overseas, yeah, you don't necessarily have access to refrigerators for your testosterone or any of that other stuff. So if you're taking injections, it's a lot different. I'm supposed to. So it's not a ban at all, is it? It's almost like we play around with language in order to support our own narrative and to paint a picture of things when that's not exactly what's happening. And in fact, trans people are not being banned from the military. So why is the prompt in the first place, I support the trans military ban if there in fact is not one? It's just like exactly what happened with the don't say gay bill and every other thing that's been twisted to like fit a narrative. Something happens, they change the words, they start calling it a ban, they start calling it don't say gay bill, and then you go and read what's actually going on. And you go, oh, so in fact, nothing's happening and everybody's okay. 
so <laughs> it's just crazy that they create these narratives and create problems where there virtually is no problem. Guys, I think it's time to get into Super Chats. Um, unless you want me to continue watching this episode, we only skipped, what, what, what did we skip? One prompt? Uh, yeah, and then the end, I think. Which is the, yeah, the final prompt is the one that we have not watched. Gender-affirming transition is suicide prevention. Uh, you guys can vote, maybe, if you guys want me to do the final prompt or Super Chats. Just let me oh, know. Oh, dear. Of course the chat's going to say continue. Yeah. <laughs> I already know it. <laughs> Should we stick? Well, I'm going to skip the rest of, at least the rest of this military ban. You guys want me to see the end. I'm going to skip a little bit into the gender affirming transition is suicide prevention because you know the arguments that are going to be made by those that agree they're going to say this stops people from killing themselves this is the care that they need yada 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 okay let's hear and to these doctors doctors are telling their parents essentially emotional blackmail they're saying trans your kid or your kid's gonna die and they say it in front of the child, and they set up this false dichotomy as if those are the only two options moving forward. And here to tell any child feeling any type of way, those are not your only two options. In fact, there is a vast array of options in between and around suicide and transition. Mm -hmm. Therapists and doctors aren't even legally allowed to say, no, you're not trans, you're actually experiencing A, B, or C. And that's the case with D-trans people as well. They have these, this huge host of issues, depression, body dysmorphia, anorexia, eating disorders, um, maybe sexual abuse mm -hmm. in their past. People don't know that a symptom, a long observed symptom of sexual abuse is wanting to be the other gender to cope with. So this I, has been in textbooks forever. So I just think, I'll wrap it up really quickly. I just think it's a false dichotomy that it's either death or transition. Um, and But with that said, I agree with you. I appreciate everything that transition's uh, done for me, but it's too much of a roll of the dice, and I think it's unhealthy telling people, do it or you're going to die, especially for, a child. For, so for the LGBTQ organizations, we also mm -hmm. have to remember that they are relying on reputable resources. And a lot of those reputable resources are the medical research that has been put out there. So all they can do is take that information and be able to disseminate that into the community. And to be quite honest with you, hold on just a second. To be quite honest with you, and let's also be clear that these researchers are also collaborating with these organizations because they are the ones that have the most outreach to the community that they need to yes. serve, which is the trans community. Because oftentimes, the reason why nonprofit grassroots organizations are created in the first place is because there was no place for us. And so, let me pause. I see all of the chat. I think y'all want to go back because y'all want me to see Blossom Threat and Blair. I know that Blossom Threat and Blair. Maybe I should just go ahead and mention that. I know that Blossom tells Blair like. I know you got your bodyguard outside or whatever. We know, we know. Uh, Blossom should not have been back on this jubilee. And I, I saw as soon as I saw that Blossom was going to be on this, I was like, uh oh, I know we're in for some some trouble there. Uh, so yeah. I think the part that they're referring to is at about twenty eight minutes and twenty seconds. Do you, uh, uh, you want me to do it? Twenty eight minutes no. and twenty seconds. Okay, let me mark where I'm at right now. I'm at one eighteen. 28 minutes and 20 seconds. I'm going to go because y'all are requesting it. Okay, here we go. Doing it for you guys. We're doing it for you guys. Let's be clear of the isms that are oh in the God. military. Man, we live in America. People are allowed me, to me. I'm speaking. 
do not interrupt a black trans woman when she's speaking. You've been interrupted when it comes to in, when it comes times. to isms. Did the interrupter just again, say if you use are her black, skin tone to you say you could interrupt her? If you are black and That's trans amazing. and you want to go into the military, I am quite sure that my experience <sighs> would not look the same as y'all's. And if we can't wake that up, then we're really being complicit. They don't look I don't, at your I don't race. Think, I don't think your but skin you, tone makes any difference. See, y'all just wanted y'all popcorn out. That's what y'all wanted. I know. I can see it. Y'all just wanted the popcorn out. Y'all viewing this as a UFC fight right now. <laughs> and if it was a UFC fight, we know that Blossom would be winning. Okay, let's just make that clear. Also, I made that clear in my episode with Blossom. I'm gonna go ahead and plug it just in case y'all don't know. I did a Jubilee episode of uh, conservative women versus trans women and me and Blossom went head to head. And I did mention, I was like, Blossom, girl, if we were in like a sports competition right now, we know you'd be winning. We know, I know that you're stronger than me. And Blossom's like, how do you know that? What evidence do you have that you know that? And you know, all the things and whatever. And even still after that experience, I invited Blossom into my studio to have a back and forth with Buck Angel. And it was less than ideal. And you know what? I This is not to like dog on Blossom or whatever, you know, love to her, compassion to her. Uh, but it was quite an experience. And I'm surprised that Jubilee was like, let's bring back Blossom again, just because of how much the conversation gets overtaken when uh, Blossom is part of the debate. Okay, I'll keep watching. Get eat your popcorn again. Because I am, this is my experience and this is my reality. First of all, that is so disrespectful to tell a person I'm gonna of have color, an a black person, how they should feel. How dare you sit up there okay, and well, say no, that? It's disrespectful. You screamed at me. And you screamed at me. You wanted me here and I'm here. So which what you going to do? You wanted me here, so I'm here. You in particular. So be calm down. Me in particular. What are you talking about? It's not my fault that y'all don't understand respect. Let's talk. You're interrupting. Can you please stop? Stop. Stop. We're good. You need to calm down. No, you do, honey. Oh my gosh. Yeah, y'all don't need to hear me say it. The interrupter is accusing others of interrupting. Blossom tells the other trans person, Sarah, to please stop, 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 when you are quite literally the catalyst for this entire argument and you are throwing gasoline on an already lit fire. It's a dumpster fire. It is a dumpster fire. Okay. Was it I'm Blair sad. who was like, I'm going to have an aneurysm? I, heard, yes. I thought that. <laughs> I was like, it's all of us right now. Blair's been making little comments all throughout the episode of just how we're all actually feeling, but is choosing to vocalize it. So <laughs> shout out to Blair. I'll finish this prompt and then we're going to skip back to the end. Y'all, y'all are keeping me around today. Okay. Oh, someone get a Xanax for okay. her. Oh, uh, keep, your, keep it cute, girl. Her. Keep it real cute. Keep it cute. Oh, oh, outside, but the but rest of shit isn't. Okay. The rules are... You cannot. I mean, shout out to Jubilee for keeping that part in where uh, Blossom says your body guards outside, but keep it cute. Speak when somebody else is speaking. Because that is, you know, threatening to say the least. Fair. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't found a middle ground. That's okay. I think we did. Okay. I feel like, we, I feel like there was a little bit yeah, mixed I, in there. Yeah, I agree with what y'all were saying. Yeah. It wasn't really like. Did I you? So imagine when we you? disagree, that'll be fun. <laughs> I feel like it was really interesting hearing your perspective about being in the military. And I don't know if there's really like a true middle ground found, but I feel like yeah. I have like a better understanding of kind of where you're coming from with it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of points make sense. And it's also an issue that is hard to get a definitive answer and agreement on. Everybody doesn't have the same struggle. And that does include in the military. 
people, some people in our community have to go through much more extremes than others. And so for me, my question becomes, how are they being taken care of? Especially when a trans person comes out in the military, yeah, we have these things enacted, but that doesn't mean that in reality and in physical time that they're being treated under what is under what is in the law that's supposed to protect them. So that's where I'm coming from, or whatever, because reality and what's on paper are two different things. But they are. So this is again the culture of the military. This is this is a debate that we have as civilians that the military doesn't have. Okay, just plain and simple. If you can do your job, mm -hmm. nobody cares who you are what you do, what, you, what your extracurricular activities outside of the military are. All they care is that they can count on the person to the left and right of them. And this is where it should have started and where it should have ended. Just listen to the person who's been there, done that, and is saying the debate that we're having right now literally does not matter because the military doesn't care, which is why the phrasing of this prompt alone in saying I support the transgender military ban makes absolutely no sense as the person with the experience is saying there is not one. Can I skip ahead now, y'all? <laughs> And I think so. I think they just wanted to see the popcorn. So I think we can, okay. we're good to go Y'all just to wanted end. to see the fight, and we buried it at the end of the stream. My apologies. My apologies. Didn't mean to do that. Okay. And here to tell any child feeling any I? type of way. Okay. Those are no. We were at one eighteen. that they and let's also be clear field okay. yet because a lot of these people don't even know about our experience and that is why it's important that we make it very clear that's so funny because like I, i'm i'm getting like a little bit of ptsd as taylor said from my encounters with blossom because blossom has like these isms that she uses in every time she has a conversation one is like let's make this very clear or we need to make this very clear that's like <laughs> another that's one um the trans experience is not a monolith is is one mm -hmm. which i'm pretty sure was used the reality in this episode. of it is the reality of it is okay but we got to get down to the bottom of this because the reality of it is <laughs> and every time i we hear need them to name now this or that yeah, yes we do need to name this yeah so now, every time I hear that, it reminds me of that two-hour discussion. And now you guys are going to have to go back and uh, listen to that and endure it because <laughs> that's why I've been jumping around. <laughs> we should have done a drinking game out of it. Oh, we should have. And this is not to be like mean or whatever. She right. has isms. I have my isms, too. I say, like, but I digress time and time again. Please. A, a lot. I have my own isms, okay? We all do. I'm just saying. Should have done it what we need to do. There's also, speaking of the numbers that come out of LGBT act uh, activist organizations, there was a little number that the life expectancy of a trans woman was 35. That was rescinded a couple years ago after like over a decade of that being like just factually, you know, shared. And I always thought that my life was statistically gonna end at 35. So, but those numbers were based on, by those organizations, prostitute deaths. So it's not always the most reputable numbers they're getting. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And these activist organizations are political too. We get caught up in calling them activists and we think it's this emotional, spiritual thing, but they are political organizations. Yeah. So I am an activist. So good, so good. Such a great point. And this is with all the information that we get at any given time, especially now, especially now, if you are taking in information from anywhere at any point, you have to think about the source of that information. You have to think about who owns the organization that is handing you the information, who owns the news outlet that is handling that information, who that news outlet is sponsored by that is handling you this, handing you this information. Because now, like facts are no longer facts anymore. Truth is no longer truth anymore. It is like 
repackaged garbage that is essentially being handed to you all with its own agenda in virtually any story that I can think of. That's why, you know, more and more as I do this, I feel more and more uncomfortable coming in with like stronger stances because it's really hard to tell where the information is coming from, whose bias is injected into it, what side of the story you're not seeing. It is very difficult. And with this whole trans suicide rate thing, it's interesting that trans organizations are the ones who are most often talking about the trans suicide rate. Does it maybe behoove them to talk about that? Does it maybe help their cause to talk about that and to highlight that as much as possible? Just a question. And so a lot of what you're talking about really was focused more on black trans women because black trans women do oh, not yeah. live past the age of 35 because oftentimes it is our group within the trans community that is often murdered, we're often <sighs> harassed, we're often discriminated against. And so a lot more of that focus has had to be around black, brown, indigenous folks because oftentimes the research goes missing for us. They sourced and, it from prostitutes though. That was the source of the But stat. see, the thing is though, even when we talk about prostitutes, trans women have to sometimes participate in sex work to survive. But they based it off cis prostitutes. Sorry, but, I'm done. It was yes. just, it was false numbers. So from what I understand is, a lot of that focus has always been around black trans women because we do not oh. get to see the age of 35. You are in a place, when I say privilege, you're in a place of privilege where you do not have to worry about the harassment and the discrimination that I face. I face as a How old is Blossom? Is Blossom not older than 35? I'm right. very curious. Don't to know her age. I feel like most of the people on this panel are like, you know, getting, you know, up there. Black I feel person. like they're all gonna be around at 35. I face as a We're black person. Get I'm not going to say that you do not experience harassment or discrimination. That's not what I'm saying because, like you said, you're a person of nuance. And so, follow me here. When I come as a person of color, as a black trans woman, you and I do not get to have that same experience. There are you more went to the White House. There are, I didn't. There are more rooms that you get to walk in that I will be forbidden in. And one thing about it is that's why it's important. Where? Where? And Blair made the point, you've been to the White House, I didn't. <laughs> that seems to be a pretty big point there. Also, when somebody says, like, we'll never have the same experience, you're never going to have the same experience as literally anybody on the earth out of all the billions of people who live here because we're all individuals and we all have our own experiences. So you're never going to have the same experiences as literally anybody ever to exist other than yourself. Sorry. Important. Like, someone like me has to create her own space to be able to <sighs> counteract what you're doing. And I'm so not saying I. and I'm not saying that you don't. But what I'm saying here is what I'm trying to get you to understand is my blackness should Ooh. not have to pay for your whiteness that, that doesn't make sense. is destroying my community. I'm destroying your community. So are you gonna tell all of my exes? How are you gonna say that and then that's there. the end? What you're talking about too is there's not the research. You're right, there's not. Everybody likes to cite the Turbin study, and Jack Turbin is a complete activist. You can just go to his Twitter account and see how actively involved he is in this and how financially. Sorry, what was his name? Jack Turbin. Okay. And and you can see how much he's financially gained off of this study. And the issue is, is the study is based on a survey, and so it's based on a survey of adults. And so when you're doing a one, surveys are not scientifically accurate. They're the least accurate way to do a study. And so when you're when we're basing all this medical care off of a survey, it's a, it's a huge issue. Sarah's crushing it, by the way. Like, Sarah knows up from down, right from wrong, it's all over, like, killing it, and uh, sort of 
doing it in such a masterful way that it's never coming off as antagonistic and is never like the catalyst for a larger fight or dispute. There's something really beautiful about being able to, you know, weave through discourse in the way that Sarah is doing it and doing it so well that it almost goes unrecognized. So amazing. And it's and it doesn't serve, you know, it doesn't really and that's what they're citing to prove that, you know, gender affirming care reduces suicidality. My question is, uh, if they're using a survey in terms of how they're gathering data, what do you suggest then to use a tool then to gather data? Because from my understanding, a lot of those surveys are actually more accurate because folks are actually not in front of somebody, so they're more comfortable to answer these questions. Again, we can have a difference of opinion, but what tool then do you suggest folks to use if they're not using a survey? That's a good question. How do you gain that data? Well, you're talking to therapists who can speak not, they can't violate HIPAA, but they can give statistics on their, on their patients. You can look at, see how many people have entered into facilities because they were suicidal on that. And then you can go back and see, if we, give, if we gave these same people gender-affirming care, how did it help them? Ooh, what a fantastic answer. Outcomes, outcomes, outcomes. The answer is outcomes, not intention. So a lot of trans people, even if they are experiencing suicidal ideation or on the brink of an attempt of suicide, right? If you ask them, how do you feel about the transgender care that you've received? And you know, like how, how has that affected your mental health? Not only is there like, an internal incentive to say, I'm so much better off because I made this decision, because you wanna reinforce the decisions that you've made as a human being. You wanna feel right about the choices that you've made because you're sitting in the choice. So you're gonna like lie and say, oh, well, yeah, no, everything's great. I'm so glad I made this decision. Mix that in with the political aspect of feeling the need to lie about the position that you're in because you know it's going to affect the lives of other people who are experiencing gender dysphoria. And you can think about this in any time in your life. When have you made a shitty decision, right, and you're sitting on the other end of it and you're dealing with the consequences of the shitty decision that you made? And then somebody asks you, ah, how do you feel about that decision that you made that maybe somebody tried to warn you about it? And you go, ah. I feel good about it. What do you mean? I, I'm I'm happy and I'm I'm totally fine with the results that I'm dealing with right now. And you don't know anything. And I'm so glad that I made this decision. We all do it. So that is the same thing that would happen with a trans person who's filling out a survey like this. Same exact thing. Yeah, and that gets ramped up to an eleven whenever it deals with your identity, when it deals with something that uh, is very involved into like the deepest parts of your soul. Now, this is how you make sense of who you are and how you find meaning in life and the narrative that you've constructed around what makes you you and what the world is like. And so now you're in a position where if you need these things to be true, because you've staked your sense of meaning, your sense of self on them. And that sucks, because it makes it so when things that are inconvenient to that narrative when harms uh, that exist because of falsehoods that or contradictions in the logic of this ideology emerge, you are prone to suppress them and reject them and minimize them just because you need this narrative to be true. And that's just the marker of being trapped in ideology. And to your point a minute ago about Sarah, like just the the, the uh, just generally speaking, you said this too about just the conservatives on this panel, and it's not like oh the conservatives are completely correct. There was there was some good stuff coming out of the the liberal side and some good yeah. good faith arguments and good points made, and I would definitely want to give due credit. But um, on the whole, it does seem like these the the more thoughtful, rational, well adjusted, self aware, calm side were were those people uh, who like Sarah, like Blair, and were they were 
had processed life, had a had a map for existence that was mapped accurately onto the real world and help them to navigate life in a healthy way that that works and makes sense. And you got a lot of emotion, you got a lot of incoherence, you got a lot of anecdotal and sort of bad faith ideas and arguments and confusion on the other side. And I, I can't help but that's my takeaway at the end of this is kind of just that that difference is stark to me. Yeah, 100%. You can tell when somebody is sort of like calmed in the decision that they've they've made. And there are some on the liberal side, like a uh, shout out to Sasha. Sasha seems like a perfectly reasonable individual who's like gone back and forth about these things, truly given it thought, thought about people on the other end of the spectrum who might not have had a similar experience. And Overall, this has been a very good discussion. It might not have been like the best moderated discussion. I think this could have been like way more fruitful if somebody had cut in and said like, no, we're getting back on topic. You speak, you speak, you speak, get your points in, go back and forth, uh, allow for rebuttals and, you know, ample time to go back and forth over the things they're contending on. Uh, but that doesn't make for good TV, does it? So we're going to close out and we'll get into Super Chats. I see, I see a lot of, again, I go back to the detransition community, because we affirm their gender so much, there's so much, you know, they're now having issues. They're, they're you know, contemplating suicide at a higher level as well. Great. I enjoyed this debate for what it was. You know, um, it was quite ugly at certain points, and I wish that it was all trans people on the panel, because that would have been uh, more appropriate and more fitting. Oh, you're so um, offensive. You're an offensive okay. person, human being. Yeah. Okay, okay. So well, you know. I, I find a lot of things over here offensive as well. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, yeah, you're disgusting. And I have to, I, trust me, okay. the feeling is more than mutual. <laughs> um, but I will say that it was very enlightening, and I hope to be back at Jubilee soon. I definitely think this was interesting. Obviously, I don't think we have a lot of common ground on a lot of things, but I think we found some. I think what most conservatives in general believe is as an adult, you can do what you want with your body. I talk to conservatives all the time. We don't allow children to make decisions for themselves on an, a wide range of issues, um, and, and that's why we don't let them, you know, mutilate their bodies. I mean, it was, yeah, like, it was educational and enlightening. I got to learn a lot, and it's nice meeting all of you. I liked hearing the different perspectives, and I feel like even though I'm, like, definitely in my beliefs, like, I understand where things come from, I just do not agree saying that everybody on this panel is not trans. I think it's bullshit. And I think you're trans and you're a part of my community. See, it sucks that like the last few moments of the episode were used to just like reignite that debate. I think we could have left that out. And uh, personally, you know, when given the chance to be on a platform this large and to really le drive home a message at the end, use it to drive home the message. Uh, and that that's a criticism of whoever, you know, it's partially maybe a criticism of Blair, criticism of Sasha for using that moment to go back and forth. Uh, but man, you got millions of people watching this video who are gonna be left with the last words that you say. And just like psychologically, people remember like the beginning, they remember the peak uh, emotion that they felt and they remember what you say at the end. And if you have that last moment to really say, think about the decisions you make in your life, things can wait, things can pause. You don't have to be on this expedited train towards you know whatever your path may be. That's what I would use it for. However, it seems as though Blair was antagonized the entire time that she was here, even on prompts that had nothing to do with what she does or who she is. It seemed to like circle back to that. And I'm sure there's a bunch more that we didn't see. And when you're in like the, the heat of that, it can sort of like 
put an overcast over over everything else. So got to give voice to that. Oh, that was Jubilee. Trans conservatives versus trans liberals, guys. We're going to get wow. into super chats. We made it. I think I might we might take it a little differently here and do some of the more recent ones first because we've been doing this for two and a half hours. And some sure. of the earlier super chats were a little off topic, but we'll get to them and yeah. might move these through these a little bit quickly. So sure. uh, starting us off, we've got Charity, who says, would you ever consider a conversation with Jeffree Star, who the liberals now view as conservative? What are your thoughts on his LGBT villain arc? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I would have a conversation with Jeffree Star. I don't know like what exactly, how fruitful the, the conversation would be necessarily, but he seems to have a distinct perspective. I have seen his video go viral about the, I don't mess with the they, them stuff. And I think that's a sentiment that a lot of people in the like LGBT camp, as they call it, have. So it could be interesting, maybe. Yeah, he's had some uh, based moments that we've uh, talked about or react to over the, over the last year or two. Yeah. Uh, BJ for president says Blair needs to be on the show. She always speaks facts. Honestly, Blossom should even be here. I would love to have Blair on. And yeah, I think if I was the Jubilee director, I would have second guessed Blossom uh, because I think you can get those like good moments that they're looking for of back and forth and like heated debate without having somebody who like completely overtakes the conversation. Yeah, it's a delicate balance of uh wanting fireworks to make it interesting and entertaining, but also like, you know, you listen to some of these podcasts like Sam Harris or whatever, and it's like super intellectual and just, mm -hmm. he keeps one monotone the entire time. And it's like the substance of what you're saying is so good, but it's not really like entertainment. So yeah, that's always a tough thing to navigate uh, in the content world. Hannah Marie says, just got to give out a shout out to Taylor. Absolutely adore you, sir. And so glad you came over with Amala. Oh, that is so Hannah. sweet. <laughs> I'm glad he came over too. Uh, glad to be here. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Heidi Lynn Butterfly says white men have the highest likelihood of dying by suicide, uh, according to AFSP. Thank you and Taylor for your reasonable, nuanced voices. You are so very appreciated. Oh, thank you, and thank you for that uh, stat. We don't like go marching around saying that something needs to be done on their behalf, do we? It's very uh, interesting. Uh, Celtic Blacksmith says, I'm going to get yourself some cinnamon sticks for your tea, darling. You can air dry them <laughs> and seal them to reuse. Th mm -hmm. Thank me later. You know what? That is, I do normally put like, uh, cinnamon in my like London fog tea that I have, but I have not thought about using cinnamon sticks. Did, also, did y'all notice I didn't sneeze once this whole stream? So that just is jinxed power. It. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Kyle Bear says, Aloha again. When I realized Blossom was the one invited to your show with Buck, I had to watch Jubilee. But that long sigh you gave, uh, laughing emojis. We all have PTSD flashback and whiplash from Blossom. Literally, yeah. So this is my like third third encounter with Blossom now. Um, and, you know, it's still amicable. Like we follow each other on Instagram or whatever. But uh, it's just it's a tough thing to get through on the like trans when I was on the trans conservatives or no, the conservative women versus trans uh, women, it was like you had to bite your tongue a little bit. Like I, I always go into these like Jubilee middle grounds for the two times that I have done it and just been like, okay, truly trying to find middle ground, truly trying to have a discussion while also like putting in my opinion, the things that I know so that people can leave without like this characterization that conservatives are like mean and evil and constantly trying to start a fight and hopefully they'll leave with some knowledge. And it was never tougher than it was going back and forth with, with Blossom. And you guys can go check that out if you haven't seen it already, uh, but it exists. 
And to Amal's credit, well, she she walks the walk with what she said at the end there with this episode and how it was unfortunate that the personal jabs and the frustrations got to people at the end. Amala kept her cool and was very kind and charitable, as she always is. Uh, so I got to give her credit on that. And all the comments noted, took note. So and they're usually not very friendly to conservatives on the Jubilee comments, but they were for Amala. So. Uh, yeah, that was a surprise. Give yourself a little round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Taylor would do it. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, when I did the Jubilee episode, my full anticipation was like, I'm going to get A up in the comments. Like, I know people are going to hate me, like, regardless of what I say or what energy I bring to, to this debate. And I was pleasantly surprised that a lot of the comments were just, like, really kind. Even leftists saying that, you know, I don't agree with Amala, but I appreciate the way that she uh, came to the discussion. So I was shocked, and I'd be so open to doing Jubilee again. Uh, Pablito says, I want to thank you. I also want to say thank you, Amla and Taylor, for making me feel welcome to this community. And also, what is your favorite cheese? What is my favorite cheese? I'm not a big cheese person, right? I know there's like a big culture around it or whatever, but I like the most mild of cheeses, I guess, like mozzarella, provolone, you know, a white American. <laughs> American. Oh, uh, of course, me. I love a white American. <laughs> hey, oh. Or white Australian. Uh, or a white Australian. That is true. I uh, spent some time, like I studied French in college, and so I got kind of, they, I went on a study abroad, and the people running the study abroad program like were like, so what kind of cheeses do you like? And I was like, you know, American, cheddar, you know, whatever. And they were like, okay. Those are not so cheeses. They took yeah. us to get, like, cheese samplings there, and you get, like, thumb and camembert and bleu and all the, like, fancy French cheeses yeah. that are like, soft and chèvre, like the goat. And I I you, like you it, mess but with it's like a different experience. It's like it's not like something you just throw in your burger. It's like a whole thing. Of yeah, itself, so. it's too oh. much for me. I'm like I'm a brie girl. You give me brie, uh, brie. and yeah. I'm I'm happy. <laughs> it's like for me, it's like spicy food though now, or it's become that where like I want a stronger tasting cheese because it's like more adventurous and like exciting to, mm. to try. Um, but my wife's the palate like of you. a child. Yes. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Marissa Foresta says, finally getting to watch live. Yeah, you guys are awesome. The way Taylor lights up about his volleyball league is hilarious, by the way. Also, is it start at four or five central? Hope I'm not an hour late. <laughs> I didn't talk about my volleyball league this show. I mean, maybe but I when you do, you do light up about it, Taylor. Oh, this is, Taylor does Look, love I, volleyball. I do. Yes, he does. <laughs> I thought they were asking when your volleyball game starts at first. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shoot. Somebody's going to come kicking at Taylor's volleyball. Uh, no, yeah, we, yeah. we started. What, when did we start? Three, three central? This uh, show? Uh, what time is it? Yeah, three o'clock central. Yes, we started at 3 p.m. central, guys. We're going to need to start listing like the world clock because we got people from New Zealand and Europe and yeah, all over the place. I know. All the time zones. Uh, one more from Marissa says, thank you for being a reasonable voice for our generation. Amla, love the content. Wish there was more. Oh, more. thank you so much. You we post daily. <laughs> That's so funny. Three videos a week, three live streams, multiple clips a day. I'm going to become well, like, like Kai Sinat or like I show speed or whatever and just be streaming 24 seven. It's going to become uh -huh. one of those guys. A content monkey just yeah. go back in your, in your cage and make more content <laughs> guys our equipment won't stay on long enough for that to even work we have so many oh, technical difficulties in this studio that even if i wanted to stream for like three hours straight it just wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't oh, kick probably not that's I, i'm amazed this lasted this long me but, too hey, here we are and it's just two of us by the way guys i mean we have some help with our editing we hire people to help with that but like it's yeah, uh, yeah. anyway 
We're doing we're doing everything we can, but we'll try to up our game even more. We will. Yeah. That's what even you want. Harder. I always feel like you guys are gonna get you're gonna see too much of my face. You're gonna get bored if I give you more content. Uh, <laughs> Rob's. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, I meant to say I asked in the chat for Amala isms, and they had some good ones. BFFR. BFFR. Idios has become one. Idios mean yes, that is true. Fragile. Don't you also say Tragicistan? Tragicistan. You don't say it on, on the show as much, but we say that all the time. I do. Tragicistan. Like a video underperforms. We're like, Tragicistan. Oh, 100%. And then math isn't mathing. The math isn't mathing. It's totally you. Oh, gosh. And make it make sense. Well, now that you guys have recognized them, uh, they're changing. I can't deal with the fact that you guys, <laughs> I am predictable in any way, shape, or form, and that I have isms. So now, tomorrow or Wednesday, there will be new ones. <laughs> no more isms. Hey. Uh, okay. Let's see. Zeke Sutton says, them comparing that to the trans and the military is two different things. The trans situation needs to take a lot more into account. We are not there yet. Wait, say the first part again. Sorry. Them comparing that. I don't know what that was referring to. Uh, them comparing that to trans and the military is two different things. The trans situation needs to take a lot more into account. We're not there yet. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's so many things that that could be. So I'm, I'm sorry that we didn't catch it at the time. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It, to compare it to really anything is kind of hard. It's it's just not it's just not analogous to uh, so many other things that were discussed in this episode. So it, it just really needs to be viewed as like really something that's kind of like new and fresh at least as far as people identifying as it and we need to like really get our research in uh and like longitudinal studies and all this sort of stuff before we make these profound decisions on behalf of people's lives yeah and between like there's just questions you have to ask as you would with anybody uh about their fitness to serve and that and for for trans people, there's the mental competence question, there's physical competence questions, there's accommodations that have to be made for them potentially, there's confusion that's introduced into the, the system and all of that. So, I mean, it's if we can jump through all those hoops and like we said before, if you're qualified, then great, but it's fair to ask those questions. Yeah. Um, okay, Hazy Kuribo says, why does Blossom say D-trans is rare as a way to silence the issue? Don't liberal ideas say we should support the rarest group or minorities the most? Uh, also, first Super Chat ever. Love your channel. Yeah, it's just hilarious that uh, that Blossom says that. And thank you for the kind words, by the way, because being trans is rare. So why don't we talk about trans issues at all? And why are we having this whole discussion? Why is Jubilee making a whole video about it? That you could use that very same argument. Rare does not mean there should be no discussion, and arguably, detransitioning is not rare. So, just don't make no sense. One more from Zeke says, as a gay military member with HIV, can you you can be sent into deployable regions now. Uh, the medication is available. You just take enough with you. Oh, I think that's what he was referring to. In the oh, second super chat, okay. Well, there you go. And that was what uh, one of the members was talking about, you know, not being able to get that medication. Now it seems like you can get that medication and they'll send it with months at a time. Thank you for that update. That's actually very interesting. Uh, one more from Kyle Bear says, love your reaction to the first prompt. You have to see the last one after the show. Not sure if everyone knows, but Blossom threatened Blair, too. Yeah, so we heard, said Blair's got her bodyguards or something, her bodyguard, which I believe is maybe her significant other. But, uh, yeah, what a weird, strange thing to say. What a, what a strangely masculine thing to say also, which is just hilarious. Like, 
It's like the one who grabbed Ben Shapiro live on the air. It's like, yeah. you'll leave here in an ambulance. Yeah. It's like, ma'am. You know what I mean? It's just like constantly, like your true colors are kind of shining through in the way that you act. Hi. Mm. Uh, I want to make jokes, but I'm not going to. Okay. South Dakota Cindy says, uh, yes, I said, yes, as a Navy veteran, I could go on about this discussion. There are no jobs in the military that are not deployable. Oh, Huh, there you go. Which makes sense. I mean, like if 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 there were jobs that weren't deployable, then like why would you why would they put them through boot camp and all the other, you know, extensive training that they have to do in order to be there? So uh, that makes sense. Sure. Uh Hannah Marie, I just want a moment where people on the left can give straight facts instead of talking in circles. So proud of you guys going independent. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, like I, Sasha was like the most reasonable one of the liberals here, but still was very like feelings forward, emotion forward. It wasn't like uh, any not not a lot of fact based arguments happening there. Yeah. Um, let's see one more from South Dakota. Cindy says I'm a Navy veteran retired. I could not get the Navy to pay for my braces because they said it was not a necessity. Uh, neither is transitioning. There you go. But I guess they will argue that says, it is. Or he also says, uh, no, there is no jobs that would not, would be justified. All jobs have to be deployable. There you go. So, so the argument uh, the argument stands. If you cannot meet the standards uh, for deployment, which I think like just like at baseline, you probably can't. But here we are having the discussion anyways, even though it's mm -hmm. nothing's happening. Oh, gosh. And I'm glad we had people in the military like Sarah too. And like you guys in the chat to give us your perspective from the position of experience. That's yeah. Right. Because Taylor and I will never uh, get that because we are not allowed <laughs> because we've been discriminated against. Yeah. I'm a victim so. of the system. It's oppressing me. Yep. Uh, drama forever. Gay man with a hot take. Uh, the AIDS situation with gays wouldn't have been so bad if they just stopped sleeping around, but apparently it wasn't possible. I don't know the inner workings of all of that, but I can imagine to some extent that would be true with a uh, sexually transmitted disease. But I'm not going to like give a hard and fast take on that as I am not uh, very well versed on the AIDS epidemic, to be honest. Outside of watching the documentary like Milk or something like that, or not, not even the documentary, it was a movie, Milk, not, not too brushed up on the AIDS epidemic. I remember, what was it that um, the monkeypox thing a couple of years ago? Like that happened, and I remember like the messaging from the institutions and powers that be was like very much like, given the fact that you are obviously going to continue having lots of sexual partners in the midst of yeah. this pandemic. Here's our recommendations. Like it was like anything keep an but eye out. maybe think about you know tone it down for a little bit until this thing blows over. Anything like God forbid we ever say anything around that. In yeah, this you can't. World. You can't any in any realm for straight people, gay people, whatever. The you're never going to be able to say that. Mm. What a time to be alive. Mm. Um, Sammy Choi says, first super chat ever. Love your show. I'm so oh, proud of you. you for moving forward as your own show slash company. Absolutely incredible. Amala, keep them coming. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that. And thank you for, you know, your first time super chat. That's great. Yeah. By the way, I think this is our longest now and most viewed in terms of live viewership stream ever so thank y'all for heck yeah being here, sticking around round Got of applause 2, likes on this if you haven't liked the video yet please do that helps with the algorithm easy way to support what we do so yes please but yeah thank you this thank is a great you guys. historic show for us thank you guys so much 
Uh, Kaya Bear says, first live chat, love the show, and that y'all went solo. You always look good. However, your braids look killer. Oh. Uh, and damn, that pink shirt. Can we get a flex? Keep kicking butt. <laughs> Can we get a flex? Guys, I haven't been working out as much because I've been, you know, working on working, like actually working for this whole thing that we're doing right now. Um, but I will say, I don't think, I think I've completely lost my noodle arms. I don't think my noodle arms are coming back. I at least have a little bit of definition in my arms that I think is there to stay, <laughs> hopefully. Watch out. I she'll need be, to go pick up weights again, though. She'll be able to go back on the trans panel with not a bodyguard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just kidding. <clears throat> Uh, it's getting late in the stream, guys. It's the filters uh, waning. They're gone. Mine was gone like five minutes into this episode because I just can't <laughs> deal with it. Uh, okay. 4N1K8 says, Love you, Amala. As an indigenous biracial woman in Australia, what's your thoughts on our referendum? Knowing my mob, we all want just want to be considered Australian and enjoy this country together. You know what? I don't know the inner workings of what's happening with the indigenous, a.k.a. like the aboriginals in Australia. That is something that I definitely need to like look into a lot more, especially given my boyfriend is Australian. Uh, so it's probably something uh, we should discuss and look into. I can't give you my take on that. I think I've discussed it on the show at least a, a little bit where... I guess I could see the perspective of people were, that were saying this is kind of like affirmative action or whatever, but I don't know the inner workings. It could very well be that just, you know, Aboriginal slash Indigenous people just don't have, uh, you know, the same amount of representation. And I could see that argument being made here in the United States as well. Uh, so we'll uh, I'll have to, you know, punt that down the road before I give you a take on the referendum as, you know, I don't have all the details. Fair enough. Uh, that Christopher makes sense. Alcine, who's become a regular, thank you, Christopher, says, uh, if a man that wants to be trans can take hormones prescribed by docs, why can't men that want to be men get docs to give them testosterone, being facetious? Wait, what? If who gets what? Like, if you want testosterone, or if you want estrogen, I presume, to transition, you can get that, but some men can't get prescribed testosterone just to right just to just to use it yeah i mean you you that is an actually valid argument that if you're gonna make it so easy for people who want to transition maybe you should make it easy for men who need testosterone but everything with caution guys go through the proper vetting before doing things yeah i identify as a bodybuilder so i need uh steroids and testosterone to be injected into me yeah. so my my body matches my mind <laughs> Literally, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> where's the where's the the flaw in the logic where is it um that's a good point okay kate yarborough says uh first time catching live first super chat love the show y'all amelie you and you. i disagree on some things but you're so entertaining and i enjoy your content and i'm loving the cornrows thank you yeah no i love it i love that this is a place for people who uh disagree with me and you guys are also you know hanging out in the chat and participating because that is what this show is about so thank you uh, Franklin says this whole panel is just the white erasure of Western norms. Their labels made up and they need their labels are made up and they need help. Society is devolving. Well, at least this was entertaining. Hey, don't erase Blossom's black experience from this panel. You know what I mean? This 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 is all about this is about all the races, all the trans people. I don't know. I don't know this to me. I was watching this for the first time and I was like, this is. This is nuts. Like, I, I just don't, I just never thought that this would be a video that was made ever. <laughs> and, uh, and here it is. So, 
that's all that's all I have to say. I don't know. I feel like I've said my my piece. <laughs> I do sympathize with the point about um not so much the white erasure, but the idea that the our norms and societies feels like it's devolving. When you listen to these debates, I feel like it just exposes the degree to which we have departed from norms where we adhere to like a classical classically liberal, more Judeo-Christian perhaps sense of values and how we think about the world and knowing, believing in absolute truth, knowing left from right and up from down, male from female, etc. And the more you get away from that and truth becomes postmodern and subjective and kind of like Sarah uh, referenced, mm. uh, it it's becomes this confusing mess and cluster and it creates disarray in people's lives. And uh, I the conversations become difficult to have. So I, I had similar thoughts uh, as we were watching. This. Oh, I missed but. the white erasure part. So that went over my head. I don't know. Look at that. That's looking pretty white. That panel There's a lot of white people who are pushing their own erasure, which I guess is what's going to happen anyways. Um, okay. Let's see. Hannah Marie says, I finally got you live for the first time. Love you and Taylor. I watched this episode. It had me so irritated by the end. Love this show. Yeah, it's hard to like uh, remain chill as you're watching some things like this sometimes. But then it's just like us, just a conversation at the end of the day. What am I going to do? <laughs> Fresh I have start. to sneeze. I missed the Friday live, but I am one of 12 kids and all of us have I've... great relationships with my parents. There are definitely enough love to go around. Hey, okay, that was the eight kids episode. Is that what we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Hey, you know what? I said some people could do it. Do I think most should? No, but I do think some people can. And yeah, I'm very glad to hear that. It's wholesome. Yes, as in my. Uh, Sylvia Lee says, happy Thanksgiving from Canada. Love you and your show. You are so brave to speak up in this cancel culture. Keep it up. Lots of love. Oh, thank you. Thanksgiving in Canada. I didn't even know that the, the dates were so different. Yeah, that's, is that that's pretty today, cool. October 9th? That's well, I guess so. That's awesome. Happy Thanksgiving. It's also Columbus Day here in the U.S. or Indigenous People's Day if you're woke and... You know, if you're rocking like that. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but shout out to the indigenous peoples. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Minchi says, it's definitely a trend. I'm a tomboy, always have been. In high school, people asked me if I was a lesbian. Now, a decade later, people ask me if I'm trans non-binary. See, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, right? And things change with the times, and the times sure are changing. That, that we know for sure. Uh, one more from Christopher. Alcine says, missed the start, but glad I caught the live. Great content and been waiting for this. Blair White on podcast next. Maybe. I'd be happy to have Blair on at some point down the line. Maybe I should shoot a DM over and we'll see about it. Sarah, too. It'd be great to talk to mm -hmm. Sarah. Um, a regular lesbian says, my awesome friend group has turned into an autistic them group so fast. How do people not see that this is a trend? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there. Uh, maybe maybe a decade down the line, we will all wake up from this haze and recognize what has happened to us. The pendulum must swing back, right? Some right? Point. Uh, Klee Doomed said, Happy Monday. I know you like knowing where we tune in from. I'm watching from a university job, and I always feel undercover you. We'll cover watching you at work. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I was saying on my story the other day, whenever you guys walk up to me in public and say hi or whatever, you always like whisper that you watch the show, 
which is just hilarious to me because maybe the company that you're around doesn't want, you don't want them to know your political leanings. You don't want the general public to know. Everybody's always like, I, I watch your show. <laughs> Even if there's nobody around, which is so funny that it's just like a reflexive uh, thing to be sort of shy about your uh, political leanings. <laughs> Shout it from the rooftops, y'all. Yeah. I watch Amla Epnobi. Just don't scare uh. me. <laughs> Uh, Adri R says, I love, I like your channel very much. You and Taylor are amazing. I agree with you on the shared experiences by trans and non-binary. And I suppose the degree of how they transition is based on how strongly they feel dysphoria. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would imagine at some point, I'm, but as they mentioned, like a, a trans or a, a gender dysphoric person who's feeling maybe very minor symptoms when they're put on hormones, their trajectory of like and their, their likelihood of going through the whole transition goes up, you know, super high because you just started the process already without even like a proper investigation. So who knows? I mean, at this point, the lines might be getting blurred on that. Uh, RJ says, caught my first live. Heck yes. Uh, I really enjoy your show and appreciate your quick wit and eloquent way of speaking. Oh, Love your you. opinions on some topics offer perspectives I hadn't previously considered. Oh, thank you so much. I, that's, that's the goal, man. Hopefully, hopefully we're telling you new stuff. I'm sometimes when I'm like, we're talking about this trans stuff. I'm like, I just feel like I'm beating the same horse over and over and over because it's the same arguments over and over and over. But hopefully, hopefully you're, you're rocking with us and we're giving you new info. Uh, Cupid says as a bisexual cis, I hate this term woman, uh, <laughs> I agree that non-binary people aren't trans whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, there's in fact no transition happening at all. <laughs> so I don't know why why they would fight so hard to be considered trans. Maybe because they want to be lumped in the fight of, you know, trans people, but it doesn't make sense. Vicky Bell says uh, gender dysphoria is real, but what makes it a mental illness is the feeling of being in the wrong body. No one is actually in the wrong body. Altering your body may help, but for a very small minority. I do agree. I concur. I'm on the same page as you on that one. And I think we did a disservice by uh, no longer characterizing this as some sort of mental affliction. Lorna's Little Loves just sends uh, great British pounds, but no message. So thank you, Lorna. Thank you. Uh, Flex says... I saw your video on OnlyFans girls and having healthy relationships. I have been with my man for 11 years in a cam model for six. I think there is a huge misunderstanding when it comes to adult content creators. I would love to hear what the dynamic of your relationship is like. 100% full send, honest, uh, how how that works. As I, and I think I make it, I try to make it clear in my videos on OnlyFans models that when conservatives make the argument, conservatives in particular, not that I personally categorize myself in that camp, uh, but when they make the argument, you're never going to find a man, you're never going to have a boyfriend, you're never going to get married, you're setting yourself up to be wrong. These, like, you're going to find a, a guy who wants to date you, marry you, whatever. Some, I've seen some girls who are cam girls and OnlyFans models and their boyfriend is their manager or he's like in their content with them or whatever. And that works for their dynamic of their relationship. It's not the proper argument to make. I do, however, think, just being fully honest here, if it is a part of your relationship and a, and a dynamic that is injected into your relationship, it is something that's always going to need to be gotten over, right? It's never just like a, 
I'm an OnlyFans model and everything's okay. It's something that like needs to be worked through and, and parsed out. And you can save yourself that by not having that be a dynamic in your relationship. But some women say, you know, it's good work. I like doing it. I want, you know, the money that comes from it. And that's the personal decision that they make for themselves. Do I think they will be partnerless? No. But I do question who that partner might be, what the motivations might be, and just, just underlying things that could be there. But there's always outliers, you know, in, in any in any rule. Yeah. Certainly changes your, your pool of uh, partners to select from. Um, it does, greatly. That's not to say you can't find someone who will accept that. Or, Anyways, good, interesting uh, super chat, though. Thank you for being here, and, and thanks for watching. Uh, let's see. Amp1 says, I feel so, so sorry for her others had an issue with uh, her being female instead of someone stopping the bullying she rejected her womanhood and hurt herself to the point of crushing her ribs yep that's very very sad I, that's what i'm saying i think if you investigate a lot of these people's stories a lot of this is underlying trauma bullying sexual abuse a bunch of other stuff that should have been stopped but unfortunately wasn't uh Sazab Arkosi says, can't believe this is even up for discussion in the U.S. Minors can't consent to lifelong medicalization. This topic be, uh, being kept in the spotlight is causing so much damage to LGBT acceptance. You and me both. I don't understand it either, but here we are. We'll continue to talk about it so long as it is being argued. <laughs> Alex Santayas, there he is, uh, says, some days I'd like to be a woman, but then I start thinking I'd be 99% delusional and I might end up liking the 1975 band uh, and I snap out of it We all quick. knew that that was coming. You know what, <laughs> Alex? With that being said, I'm glad that you're a guy. There you go. Uh, Nortrum says, the problem is that the government and other agencies prey on the pain and suffering of weak and vulnerable individuals, therapists, surgeons, and others. They all just look to capitalize on it. Mm -hmm. Somebody's making money here. That, that's often like a left out part of the discussion. I'm sorry, I want to sneeze. Profit uh, is being made somewhere. <laughs> that's something it. we need to think about. Oh, we still made it. Okay, she hasn't. She hasn't. I haven't sneezed. Yet. I'm literally like using all the strength in my body to not do it. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'm a strong, independent woman, and I don't need no man. Oi. Uh, Tia said, "We're almost done, guys. Thanks for riding riding this out with us." Tia says, uh, "If you're not old enough to consent to intercourse, you're not old enough to alter your reproductive slash sexual experience for the rest of your life." Sounds simple to me. Ain't that the truth? And when one of those things changes, when does the other? Ask yourself that question. Absolutely fucking nuts. Don't allow it. And there was a weird, like, all of them basically agreed that, okay, 12, 13, that's too young, but why don't we just move it down to 15, 16, like 17? I'm like, what? We're yeah. still, what changes? Right. Like, what basis are you using for that argument? Makes no sense. Uh, Evil Fairy 188 says women age 20 to 30 are being denied getting their tubes tied often by doctors because they're concerned over childbearing, but minors can have top surgery. Yep. I've almost thought about doing a video. I like pitch this to Taylor. I'm like, we need to just record myself calling different uh, clinics and being like, hey, I'm 23 and I want my tubes tied and see if they'll see me for an appointment. And then calling gender clinics and saying, hey, I'm 23 and, you know, I want my uterus cut out of my body uh, for, you know, gender affirmation surgery. And I can just only imagine that one would be way more receptive than the other. So let us know in the chat down below. Should I do that experiment? <laughs> Won't be wild. 
Uh, let's see. Cheryl Haskell uh, just sends a super chat with a thank you emoji. No, no message otherwise. Thank you, Cheryl. Oh, thank you. One more from Alex there. Says, hey there, gang. This is why I say I just want a normal Latina or normal Asian girl. I don't want to have to second guess their biology every time. <laughs> okay. You know what? To each their own, Alex. To each their own. Charlize their own. Pretty sure they, there's uh, people changing their hardware of every... Uh, race color and creed but, yep you know yep be careful in <laughs> in thailand alex when you're looking for that uh asian oh, asian baddie <laughs> passport bro operator. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh savrix says the individual self is responsible to detect and determine what is rogue information and genuine knowledge imagine getting a population to just simulate the information they consume without question mm, that's what's happening right now Y'all, people are just... Deep. I was to brace myself with Savrix. He's got some deep takes. For real. Every single time in the super chat, I'm like, you really, you, you really cut, you're cutting deep with the things you put in there. But yeah, no, we live in like a questionless society for the most part. People just literally just take things in, absorb it and go like, okay, yeah, must be true. Because I heard that, that one place that one time. No investigation whatsoever. Alas, uh, Emily Serlis says, you're an amazing young lady. Love your lives. My daughter and I watch you all the time. Say hi to my 15-year-old daughter, Victoria, watching from Canada. Hi, Victoria from Canada. Thank you so much for watching the show. I greatly appreciate you and your mom. That's awesome. That's super cool. Um, Vic says, keep doing what you do. Thank you, Vic. Thank you. We'll keep doing it. We'll be here, <laughs> Cadence whether you want us or not. <laughs> says, you guys changed my life. I'm 16-year-old conservative, and you guys have made me feel less alone. Love Aww. you guys. This is also my first live. Thank you so much. Oh, that's so great. I'm so glad and welcome, and I'm glad that you've been able to catch a live. And wow, you're 16 watching that show. That's it's crazy. Just thinking about where I was at 16, that's just wild to think about. So thank you so much. That's dope. You can sit with us. Uh, looks like also from Canada, too. So shout out Canada. to Canada. We love the Canadians. Uh, Jennifer Wyke says, I always sneeze multiple times in a row. I count my sneezes and I've sneezed as many as 14 times in a row. Uh, I've had people ask me if I'm okay and I'll just be like, yeah, I was just sneezing. Dude, you were not alone, right? Because I do the little same thing. It'll be like 20 times in a row to where I can't even like speak. That's why I see you guys encouraging me to sneeze in the chat. You guys are preying on my downfall. You guys are my ops. Okay. I know it must be healthy to like let yourself sneeze or whatever. And you're not supposed to hold that back, but you guys are my ops because I'll be sneezing until the show is done. So we're not going to let that happen. I refuse. I'm not going to let this psychological warfare in the chat allow me to sneeze. So I've already decided. My mind's decided Obstance. it's not happening. <laughs> All right. Cupids says, finally made it to the live stream. Glad work finished early. Also, I just listened to this at work and I agree with everyone on Blair's side. Blossom, however, turned everything to her being black. Yes. As also one does. To, add to my previous comment, I do not agree that a non-binary man should be there at all. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. I see what Jubilee was trying to do. Maybe they couldn't get somebody to be on that side or they just wanted to be kind of have somebody there just for that prompt specifically to start something. But yeah, it didn't really make sense. Hannah says, hey, Amala, I'm 17 and from Kansas City, Missouri, and I absolutely love your content. I'm so thankful 
for young women like you who I can look up to. Oh, thank you so much. What? Every time we read Super Chats, I'm always like, oh man, your Super Chats are so nice, but they're just always so nice. And I always love hearing from you guys. So that's cool. We got two, 16 and 17. Super dope. Awesome. Hopefully you guys are on the right track. I like to think this show is being on the right track, but who am I? I'm the show host. I can't say that. Hmm. I can vouch. <laughs> uh, Halfbreed Observer says, watched the episode and afterwards I realized I wasted brain cells watching confused people argue about who's more oppressed for two hours. Yeah, I mean, I watched this with my boyfriend for the first time and we were just like, ah, 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 the whole time. It's just like, it's too much. And some of it was like oppression, Olympics-y a little bit. And it's just like, on on some level... I kind of disagree with everybody in attendance, but also we are getting into the nitty gritty on the issues. So that's something to explore. I, I enjoyed my time. I always enjoy watching these things. It's never like all that taxing because I just enjoy discussions like this, but this one was a trip. Yeah, if nothing else, we're glad conversations are being had and some substance is, is there. Yes. Uh, but yeah, with the Oppression Olympics, it reminds me of that video that we reacted to recently of uh, the people trying to decide who gets the $1,000. Oh. Um, the most impressed person gets it. That one yes. really got to me. That if, if any video has ever got to me, it's like the most innocuous seven individuals fighting over $1,000. That really irked my soul to its core. You guys can check that out if you want to see me very frustrated because that exists. Just brought out the worst in humanity, including ours, watching it. <laughs> Uh, Must Pavlov Dog says Blair and Sarah, both of whom I'd love to see on your show, do more for trans acceptance because they show compassion for non-trans people, unlike activists. I agree. It's the people who like quell the hatred that really make a difference, even if it's a perspective that you don't share. They really do a lot for the movement at large. And I did notice like in the when the bathroom question, like Blair in the arguments that she was making was very much like, how do we come to a reasonable solution that works for everybody? Um, factoring in the discomfort of women and everything else that, that is at play. And Blossom was kind of like, but what about trans women? That's only one side of the story. It's all about, and it's like prioritizing the trans experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Yep. You know, you want, you want real solutions. That's how you, anyways, uh, Otaku 69 says the fact that we even listen to these people is crazy. <laughs> It's hard. Some, sometimes yeah. I sympathize with that. Yeah, sometimes but. they do. Sometimes <laughs> I get it. They're people, but everybody's people too. We gotta, we gotta at least hear, hear them out. Josh Badillo says, at this point, I don't even watch these videos. I just wait for your reactions. Hey, that's how I like it. That's how, what I'm like with like Cody Co and the button. I don't watch the button anymore on the, on cut or on, is it Jubilee? It's cut. I don't watch it on cut anymore. I just wait for Cody Co to react to it. <laughs> so I'm mm -hmm. glad that's, we're having that same effect with Jubilee. And now I bet there are people who don't watch Cut or Cody Co. They wait for your reaction to Cody Co's reaction. <laughs> to Cut. That's crazy. That's layers, thing? baby. That's layers. Inception. Uh, Dude says, I remember when you hosted that debate with Blossom, you looked like you'd have rather swim in a pool of molten, molten lava than be there. I'm yeah. Taylor. I feel like I was sitting there like this the whole time, like, oh, oh, and oh, like, I just didn't know. Didn't know Dude, what I'm I was getting into. Amala was there moderating and I was like in, you know, switching cameras and stuff. And uh, I remember like halfway through, it was like two hours or three hours yeah. I think, in, in the studio. And I, I zoned out for a good minute just because I was like, this is the same circular 
yeah stuff i just can't listen anymore and we edited it out a lot of like just the fluff and it was still like two hours of did we did we content. edit out the part where blossom calls a uh, buck racist or did we keep that in i think we kept it in didn't we maybe <sighs> i can't remember but i think there was something we edited out that was like super spicy but yeah um, no it was a mess i didn't really moderate let's be let's be honest i just kind of chilled there hmm participated it was, like, it was actually interesting, though. No, it was interesting. You know, it sometimes it's well. good to just let things go and see where the conversation flies. And it flew. As we witnessed today. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, okay, Pablito, again, the real question is, uh, did Blossom ever get that Xanax? No. Doubtful. No. Uh, text fraud. Amla fighting sneezes mm -hmm. like I'd be fighting coughs in class. They must stay in. Hope you get better soon. Swole Amala. I'm fighting demons back here. I'm... Mm -mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Amala, that's great. Oh, uh, yeah. Swole Amala, that's hilarious. Noodle arms no more. <laughs> Noodle arms no more. Must Pavlov Dog says, thanks. Thank you for your thoughtful coverage of the Ryan Carson murder. If you are on the right, you don't have to mourn him, but you also don't have to contribute to the ugliness of dehumanizing the enemy. Yeah, man. I'm like, this is, death is bad whenever whenever it happens in whatever form it, it takes and uh, it's, it's just sad it's just like a sad fact of life uh, you know funnily enough but and that's always how i'm going to respond to things like that i think we're getting way too desensitized to death currently and on a similar sober note uh oatmeal says amla did you hear what happened in israel the palestinian military group hamas has launched an attack on israel i think israel declared war Yes. So uh, I've been keeping up with that. And it's honestly gotten on the note of being desensitized to death and stuff like that. It's gotten so difficult to just like scroll through things like Twitter and stuff because of just the heinous stuff that I am uh, that is being posted and is being seen. And it's a really weird time to be in the time of war mixed in the time of technology and have those two worlds integrated. I've held back on like giving any sort of pointed commentary on the issue because y'all um 23 year old no foreign policy expert but I, what i can say is i know disgusting acts of inhumanity when i see them and that is what we we are seeing now i'm not going to say that you know it hasn't been perpetrated in both directions and there's a long and deep history there that we're not gonna you know get into on today's program for that's quite honestly uh it's just not not the time, um, but it, it's it's hard. It's hard, especially hearing the the story of that young German girl that was killed by Hamas and sort of paraded around. I saw it. I just like audibly gasped and had to just set my phone down. I, I'm I've been working on like re not necessarily reintegrating humanity, but I think you you guys might echo this sentiment as well. Sometimes you can go on social media and just see the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. And it feels like, oh, just part of the course. That's like humans. Oh, I just saw a video of somebody dying. Oh, that's just Twitter, right? That's just Instagram. And I'm like fighting that, that feeling of that being normal because it should not be normal. Like our society is sick. It's, it's sick. And what's happening over there is sick. Um, so... You, you know, you, people say thoughts and prayers and all this stuff. Of, of course, of course, thoughts are with the innocent people who are whose lives are at risk and are, are being lost. And this is a, like an unprecedented time. Crazy. 
So there you go. Um, Annika Smiles says, uh, I think that conservatives nowadays aren't actually conservative. I think libs have gone so far left that anything moderate is regarded as far right. Uh, yeah, it is at this point. Like when you go so far in one direction, looking in the other direction makes it seem like everything is, you know, conservative or right wing or whatever, which is like, it's crazy to me that Blair is characterized as conservative. I know that Jubilee has to do that for the sake of just putting the two groups in their two groups, but most definitely like not for the most part with the, how Blair views things socially and stuff like that. So it's the same thing for me. Like I'm often characterized as conservative and part of that is like, you know, the work at PragerU and all this stuff. But like, I feel like if you listen to this show, you would think I'm probably center right. Uh, so the more left people go, the more things look right leaning, the more right people go, the more things look left leaning. Uh, Christian Baragan says, first time catching the show live, I had been wanting to see your reaction to this. Hope you feel better. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I woke up this morning. I was like, this is the worst time to feel sick right now because we have uh, the Jubilee episodes, which I always have so much fun with. But luckily, it's just a mild. Like, I'm chilling. We, we got good vibes. The Jordan flu game, Amala, today, just coming out and yeah. performing for you guys regardless. <laughs> overcoming adversity yeah bonnie mater says every service mem member must be combat ready all signed to answer when called and must be physically and mentally prepared as such if anything affects your performance in that capacity you do not qualify makes sense makes sense uh yeah so take that how you will like i said if you're ready and you can pass all the tests and the psych evals that's another thing if you can't you can't that's just the end of it uh, Wooly Shambler says, as a guy who grew up with an older sister, idolizing her and imitating her constantly when growing up, I'm so worried for all the effeminate boys who don't fit into the usual standard. Yeah, it's sad, man. I hope they're not pushed down this path like so many kids are getting pushed down right now. It's totally fine to be feminine and be a boy. It's totally fine. Scorpio Maxwell says, I couldn't get through the first 10 minutes of the trans debate, but I love how the first thing they said was, we're so excited to offer you this content through a paywall. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they gotta, they gotta do what they gotta do. They gotta make, uh, they gotta make their ends meet. I have been to the Jubilee headquarters, uh, where their staff is, and I've been on a couple of their different sets and, you know, they are like a, they're a pretty scrappy team of individuals. So content creation, especially at the scale that they're doing it, um, is not, it's no small feat. And I'm sure it does take quite a bit of investment. Uh, Damaris Reyna just says, I look up to you, Amala. Oh, thank you. That is so sweet. Thank you. Hmm. Uh, Media Retrospective says, Hey, Amala, I saw you on the transverse conservative debate and I love how rational you are in the debate. And that's how I came across your channel. Oh, that's awesome. That's dope. Yeah, I tried to be. I was like reminding myself the whole time, like, keep it cool. Everything's going to be fine. This is just a conversation. <laughs> and uh, it seems like people caught on to that. So that's great. I'm so glad. Welcome. It's always cool to hear how you guys find the channel, too. Yes, definitely. Um, Hannah says, hey, Amelis, my first time catching a live. I'm a 23-year-old truck driver, and I love listening to your show on the road. Whoa. This debate was insane, but I stand by Blair White. You guys keep it up. Yeah, Blair did kill it. And yeah, that's so cool. A 23-year-old truck driver. Okay, listen to us on the road. That's so awesome. I just love hearing everything about your guys' life. Like, how old are you? Where do you live? What do you do for a living? What do you do when you're watching the show? <laughs> uh, you guys can constantly fill me in on that stuff. And I'm always, I'm always interested. Sydney M says, I'm a licensed therapist. And it's so wild when other professionals around me don't see any issue with minors transitioning. 
Love your show. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's like a, a big splinter, I feel like, in any field now of people who agree with this and people who don't. And that's just kind of wild, wild to think about. And glad to know there's some more sane uh, therapists out there who yes. don't subscribe to this stuff and aren't aren't towing the line. Uh, Nortrum says, oh, darn, I really thought I would make you sneeze. Your smile reminds me of Denzel Washington, who is arguably the greatest actor who ever lived. Denzel Washington? <laughs> you know what? I, I will take it. That's fucking hilarious. Um, He's got a great smile. You know what? I'll take it. He's made for the big screen. So if my smile reminds you of Denzel Washington, I'll Oscar winner, right? Uh, yeah. Andy Oso says, just wanted to say, hey, love from Kenya. Oh, oh love from Kenya. I don't think we have either. Before. That's a first. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, Dragon Nudo says, you are awesome. Thanks for being amazing and loud. America. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Gotta get that America in there. And then let's see. Super tough from Kenna. No message. Just... Uh, saying hey thanks, appreciate you uh and let's see if only a couple more i think we almost made it guys mary harrison says to stop sneezing tickle the roof of your mouth with your tongue works 99 percent of the time mm, okay good to know thank you she's not doing it now though <laughs> my trick is like look up and look at the light if there's like that, that usually gets me but that gets you to stop sneezing no it gets you to sneeze taylor a lot of good that'll do me <laughs> it's just about psyched you out well, yeah, yeah. Um, if you guys have any sneezing hacks, let us know. Yeah, let us know in the chat down below. <laughs> Fresh Start says, my sister's studying abroad in Israel and they're being flown home on chartered flights because it's so dangerous there right now. That's scary. It's a horrific situation. It's scary. I can't imagine being there and like hearing the news of what's going on and then having to like figure out whether or not you can get out and stuff like that. Ah, it's terrifying, man. It's terrifying. I was literally just like sitting in paranoia last night thinking about the situations that people are in and how just absolutely horrendous some of this stuff is. Yeah. And I think that was our last one. Wow. What a positive note to close out the show on uh, guys at the very least in the midst of all of the crazy stuff that's happening in the world right now, we do have this uh, small community of people that does get together to talk about these topics and to explore them. And hopefully you've had a good time today. Hopefully it's relieved some of the stress from your life or at the very least you've been somewhat entertained or you learned something new. We are always so delighted to have you. Uh, so thank you so much for watching, for supporting the show with your viewership, with your super chats, with your opinions. We, we love it all. And, uh, we can't wait for tomorrow when an, another video comes out. Tomorrow's video is just a dating video. We're going to take the pressure off a little bit, open up another discussion with you guys. We did get another super chat that says fresh start says, I think you missed my first super chat. Did we get fresh oh, start no. super chat? Do you want to search for him, Taylor, while I me, close out do here? A fresh start and searching for yes, your super chat. We will, we will search for your super chat I've so we do not read miss one you. I've definitely one or two of, from you, but okay. Okay, I'll, I'll look. I'll look. We'll, we'll, ha we'll have Taylor have a look. Um, guys, I hope your day is going well in spite of all the different things that are happening in our world right now. Hope you're finding a little bit of positivity and uh, that's, that's really about it. Thank you so much for joining. If you like this video, please like subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified when we're live so that you can always hang out with us here, real deal, sort of in person to have these discussions and leave a comment down below about how you feel about the different things we discussed. I'm sure many of you will have much to say and I can't wait to read through your commentary. Taylor, do we have a super chat? 
Fresh Start was the one that said, miss the Friday Live, but I'm one of 12 kids and all of us have great relationships with my parents. We didn't miss you, Fresh Start. We got that. And we are happy for your 12-person family. Well, your 14-person family. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for watching. I will see you tomorrow and we'll be back live on Wednesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and 3 p.m. Central, for those of you who are asking. Peace out, much love, and positivity to you. Bye, guys.